I'm Annie. And I'm Ellie. And we are... Those Spooky Bitches! Welcome back! Hi, everybody! I'm so excited. I... Oh. Sorry. No, I just... (laughs) Me too. (laughs) Sometimes you just gotta breathe. Okay, so we... This is... I don't even... Okay, let's calm ourselves. Take a deep breath. How was your week? Not great, but okay. that's okay. All right. What are our standard? The only standard we have, Ellie? Is to be alive. And are we alive? We are very much alive. So it was a good week. There you go. There we are. Okay, well, we won't talk about it then. <laughs> uh, moving right along. Today's episode might be a long one. It's definitely going to be a long one. So grab a snack. Maybe a couple drinks. And maybe a crucifix. Uh, definitely. Probably your rosary, you know, <laughs> you, if you had one. You might need it. Maybe grab a crystal to hold on to. Yeah. It's like, charge your own little holy water. Yeah. Drink it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. We certainly, you might want to have some of the blood of Christ, the body of Christ on hand. Get your old crackers and your grape juice. Yes. <laughs> First of all, um, I remember going to a church that used oyster crackers as the communion. Yes. God, and it's so good. Did you know that you can buy communion crackers? I mean, I've, everyone probably knows this, but for some reason, I thought that, like, you couldn't buy the crackers from the church. Like, I thought it was, like, a secret underground church cracker ring and, like, only churches had access to the church crackers. Um, that is untrue. You can definitely buy them by the box. Not that I've done that. But I've considered it many a time. Ours were, like, always super stale because we never did communion, like, enough. (laughs) Right. But now I will say it's super cool um, because they have the individual things now where you just have, like, the individual cups and the wafers come with them. (gasps) Stop. So it's, like, not stale. It's, like, fresh. I love that. I don't even know how that popped up on my Facebook because I don't do that anymore. But I found it fascinating. <laughs> Wait, I'm about to Amazon. It's seriously, it's like it's the individual like a, ones. Like, how do you, what would you even search for? Portable communion. <laughs> portable communion. <laughs> portable communion. Cracker. I, I don't guess. know. Maybe individual. <laughs> communion oh, yeah. set. Wait. Uh, well, let's see. They here. have a Maybe that's hold it. on. Oh, hey. True Vine. Here it is. Okay, shout out True Vine. Not sponsored. Um, it's literally the cup and crackers. There you go. You can get a pack of a hundred. For sixty-four dollars, so I mean that's pretty cheap considering it's Jesus's blood. Exactly. All right. Well, enough sacrilege. (laughs) I mean, we're not trying to be sacrilegious. I I promise. But I mean, I just thought that was cool. Maybe a little. I mean, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, that is interesting. I have not seen that. I wonder if it's good. I'll have to. (laughs) I'm not going to spend. It's better than any like stale crackers. Sure. One hundred percent. We were like the oyster cracker Welch's grape juice people. We were definitely the Welch's grape juice. I don't know about the wafers there. Like, or I think, isn't that what you call them? Like wafers? wafers? Yeah. yeah. Who knows? Who knows? But yeah, we may need to order them just after today's episode. Yeah, I mean, just for a little pizzazz. Yeah, just a little bit. You know, be a little yeah. extra because we're both pretty extra. Yes. <laughs> I just, it, they're so cute. The little, they're like they a little are. wine cup with they a cracker are. at the bottom. Oh my goodness. Um, okay, well, if you haven't figured out by this conversation and the title of today's podcast, Possession, we are going to talk all about possession. So, if you're not into demons, and you, I'm a little scared, actually, but if you're not into demons, you're not interested in discussing possession, we'll see you next week. Exactly. But if you are, get ready. 
And I will say to you, there's like a lot of intro to this too. This is probably going to be a really long podcast. Rather than breaking it into two, we're just going to go on and run with it. Yes. So yeah, I've been excited all week for this. Like literally, I've been prepping all week for this. <laughs> I have like a, I, I'm, I'm really excited too, but I like feel scared. <laughs> so we're totally going to talk about that too. Um, definitely. So how was your week though? Like you asked me about mine. How was your <sighs> You know, it wasn't a horrible week. I started physical therapy, so I'm a little more sore than normal. Um, but I'm allowed to lift my baby again after like a month of not being allowed to lift my baby. So honestly, I can't really complain. This week's pretty great. I love it. Yeah. I love it. So we're going to put a win, a win in the books for this week and then we'll see how this coming week pans out. That's awesome. So I guess like, do you have any mentions? Uh, not that I can think of. I've just got a lot of people that have said they're enjoying the podcast. So thanks for listening. Absolutely. Thank you guys so much. You have no idea what that means to us. What about you? You got anybody? Actually, yeah. Um, first of all, we got our new merch in. Yes, yes, yes. So we got our first t-shirts. We do plan on getting more, but I will post on Instagram and in the Facebook group. Easy, um, also did our shirts for us. So she's super totally awesome. The shirts look amazing. And they have one of our favorite slogans on it about us staying alive, being our standard. Yeah. Um, and she also included some cute little jewelry and stickers and stuff in there. So that was super sweet. So sweet. There, She sent like um, hatchet earrings yes. and they're so cute. We're going to fight over them later, I promise. <laughs> and then Allegra also, um, I don't think we had mentioned this, but she also made our cute little bracelets and stuff last week, which I'm wearing mine today. I love And I accidentally broke my necklace, but I'm going to fix it, I promise. Okay. Um, but the other thing is, I ran to Walmart the other day, like on my lunch break, so I was in a super big hurry, but I ran into one of our number one spooky bitches, Amber. So she's enjoying the podcast, really, really loves listening. Love that. And um, so yeah, shout out to Amber. And also, like, I'm really weird, like, autism kind of wise about people touching me and she actually asked permission to give me a hug and I just want to say thank you for that because you're respecting my boundaries look at her and I appreciate that a queen Amber a queen I'm everyone snaps for Amber <laughs> and then also um at work one of my dearest co-workers um she actually came up to me to, to she just kind of walked up and she's like the meat curtain and I was like what what are you talking and then it just dawned on me I was like oh yeah the meat curtain <laughs> I got so many messages after the last week's episode about the skin <laughs> it's crazy though yeah it really is I mean can it, you imagine being the cop though when you're pushing through and you feel all that blood and you have no idea what's there no and it was such a he- the cop was like it was such a heavy curtain to move like I just didn't I don't know I can't yeah. imagine no. I can't no I cannot imagine I just, no. I probably, like, uh, <laughs> like I faint by nature because a lot of my health conditions, but that's something that might make me pass out. That would be something I'd need to talk with my therapist yeah, about. straight for up. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> Always a conversation from the therapist. <laughs> 1,000%. <laughs> All right. Well, do you want to get started? Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. Let me grab my handy dandy. Um, instead of notebook, I have my computer today. Okay. So, um, you know, we have like their classic possessions in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. So we've got, you know, like the Exorcist, Poltergeist, Amityville, and then moving on through time, you get, you know, more of your like schlocky, but in my case, like amazing movies like The Evil Dead, Night of the Demons. You've got The Shining. There's always some kind of supernatural yeah. element. 
Um, more modern, we have the Conjuring franchise, which, guys, we are hoping to do an Ed and Lorraine episode. We're not hoping. We're doing we're, it. We're doing. We're doing it. <laughs> I'm committed. Uh, Constantine is a really good one. I don't know if you've ever seen Skeleton Key, by the way. I feel like I saw it a long time ago, but so I should good. rewatch. I think I have it, and I'll let you borrow it. Okay. Because that is another one of those, like, kind of, in a white possession, you know, films. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, so, like... Do, do you remember like what one of your first ones, like your first possession films, was? I remember the first one I was like super into was The Exorcism of Emily Rose. Oh my god, that is so good, and it goes along with today too. Like, is it actually a mental thing, right. physical thing, versus an exorcism? Yes, exactly. But uh, that was the first one that I was like fascinated by, and I think the actress is really what made that movie so special to me in a weird way. Yeah, no. Because just something about her uh, and her portrayal was very good and also really creepy. No offense. Did it, like, affect you in any kind of way? Oh, hell yeah, it did. I was terrified. Um, I mean, like, it... Well, the thing is, I have always thought exorcism was so interesting and, like, being raised in the church, you know, you're afraid of demons. You're afraid of, like, dark entities. And so, you know, I've always, I had always been just, like, I don't know, like, forbidden excitement, I guess is the best way to put it I about totally it. I understand you know what you're what saying. Like, yes. I know I shouldn't be interested in this because it's evil, but, like, also, it's very I may need to YouTube this later, you know? So... But I was, yeah, I mean, I really have always been super into the idea, but I also think some of it, this is where it all kind of becomes like a conjum, a conjum, um, words are hard, <laughs> jumbled up mess, because part of me at the same time was super into like Salem witch trials. Yes. So not that those are really related, but it was just kind of like the same thing where it was like this, is it the mentality of the people? Or is it a real affliction? Exactly. So, what about you? Oh my goodness. So, like, I barely remember some of my first horror films. What was my first, like, demon film? Honestly, I can't remember. Was it The Exorcist? I don't think it was The Exorcist. I didn't watch The Exorcist until I was older. Honestly. Well, no. I think I did watch it because my mom was flipping her shit about it. And as an adult rewatching it, I'm like, holy shit, yeah, my mom had every right to flip her shit about this. Yeah. I bet it was. I think it really was The Exorcist. It was the first one I actually remember seeing. Yeah. Scared the shit out of me. And you know what? It still does to this day. I actually just got the book and I started reading it because I've never read the book. And that's another thing. Like, I read Carrie and all this other stuff when I was younger and mom was freaking out about it. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe it was, yeah. I think it was definitely as far as possession films go. Yeah. The only other one I remember being my first like scary film is I think it was called like Darkness Falls or something. Oh, like that. yeah, I remember so, that. <laughs> here's the fun thing. And if you know me, like my friends and Annie do, I was at my brother and sister in law's house and she, like my grandmother and aunt got me into horror, but she really, like we always got horror films. And they had this giant bay window. In front 
<laughs> and then the couch and you know there's the TV and there was a jump scare and I was just kind of sitting like here with like my hands on my chest whatever uh-huh. and a bird hit the window the same time a jump scare happened and I accidentally jumped and I punched myself in the mouth yeah I would have pissed my pants <laughs> I, like, I literally punched myself there okay so I have so many stories about birds hitting windows oh my god like freaky stuff happening I like I know that like birds hit windows because they think it's they see a reflection or they think that they see another bird and they want to fight it or whatever there's like a bunch of logical reasons but I just have always seen birds hitting windows as like this big horrible dark omen (laughs) like kaboom like a horrible sign (laughs) yeah like something's gonna happen to you oh yeah I mean that's a whole another podcast for the both of us absolutely yeah definitely gonna be like a spiritual yes kind of things our paranormal experiences absolutely love that we've got a lot of those i want to Uh, talk about a little bit of mine today actually so yeah all right so there's that um guys we're also interested in your opinions like in facebook facebook group and everything like what was your first like what got you into possession if you're interested in possession what was your first movie how did it make you feel you know that kind of stuff too we really do love hearing from you guys yeah yeah and we highly encourage you to interact because and are there movies we need to see that we haven't seen oh my gosh yes yes please yeah. give us suggestions let me know because and I, if they're not mainstream movies i love those too i love like, an, a good indie like indies, film yes. yeah i'm into that oh my gosh okay so you know possession factor fiction that's the question. You know, is it me- is it mental illness is or it? is it possession? Are you having a seizure? I don't know why I'm talking like that. So I don't sorry. know either. We <laughs> did that last week and it was so funny because tech guy also was like, yeah, <laughs> we got him into it too. <laughs> All right. So like, like you just said pretty much, I was raised to respect and fear possession. Same. Like I went to a free will Baptist school, mm-hmm. a free will Baptist Bible camp and a Southern Baptist church. So everybody, like, that's something you feared and you respected. But also didn't really talk about. Oh, no. Like, it was very clouded in the, you know, very, like, um, that's of the devil. Don't even discuss it. That's, you don't want to bring that into your life. Exactly. Like, acknowledging it will encourage it, basically. Yeah. So, like, I remember being in my, because I went to a private school. As I've mentioned before. And I remember, like, at one point there was this, like, whole thing going around with, like, between a lot of the teenagers. And it was probably BS, honestly. Mm -hmm. But they were all talking about, like, there was, like, this abandoned area. And they all wanted to go to the abandoned area because it was haunted and blah, 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 blah. And everybody was just going to get together and go to this place. Which, like, again, I think that was total BS. But I literally remember our principal came into our class, interrupted it. And because of these little rumors and they gave us this really long lecture about the severity of messing with the demons and devil like we got a lecture on the whole thing and how none of us were to go do anything and blah 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 blah. they will call our parent you know what i mean like just it was a whole to do imagine (laughs) interrupting a class to say i will call your parents if you go mess with demons." demons Imagine. I what know. is education? Guys, this was the 2000s. Okay. Imagine. Don't tell on us. Oh, don't, my Don't gosh. give away our ages. <laughs> I'm um, sorry. <laughs> but imagine, um, excuse me, Miss Robinson's class, I just came to tell you, I'm going to call your parents if you talk to demons. Yeah, exactly. Have a great day. If you even think about talking to demons. Yeah. And it just makes me think of, like, Waterboy and the devil. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I forgot all about that movie. So, um, growing up, though, because I've talked to you about stuff, 
Um, I always had bad dreams about our church mm-hmm. and things happening. It took me forever to realize it was spirits in my dreams because I couldn't see them. Mm-hmm. And there's been a ton of other dreams like that, which again, we can discuss in another podcast. Yeah. But in the past like year and a half to two years, they've actually made themselves known at the church. Mm-hmm. And other people have been witnessing stuff. Oh. Things have been happening that would not normally happen. And yes, I do mean things like being moved to other places, thrown across the room, you know, like door. And there's so many deep, dark stories about that. Well, not dark, but seriously, like even protective. Like bad things could have been going on, and they it's like they were trying to protect people. I'm being very vague, I know. Okay. But it kind of makes it spooky. I know. Okay. I know. But. Like I said, it seems like they were trying to help people. Are you asking me to go ghost hunting at the church? I mean, we can. Okay. Okay. I accept. Because, like, I would love to do that, honestly. Especially to face what I've dreamed about all those years before it actually started showing itself or their selves or whatever. You right. know, like, to other people. Yeah. And I think it's true because so many people have finally, and I hate saying it's like, but progressed in the faith enough that they're willing to accept the fact that this is happening. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And it's not just a negative connotation. Yeah. Um, and not just that, but I grew up in a haunted house until I was like 10 years old. Stop. I did. Yeah. Guys, I have a picture. I went by yesterday, but my old house took a picture. That way I can upload it onto Instagram as well. Okay, go to our Instagram to see pictures from yes. today's episode, including the haunted house. Yes. So I, I'm pretty sure I've mentioned it in the past, but I always had bad dreams and not just bad dreams, but like waking moments as well. But I would try to run into my parents' room because I was having said bad dreams. My mom would always make me get back to my room. But I would be laying there. And, guys, I know this sounds creepy. And if you want to judge me, that's fine. But I would be, like, no, laying there. this is a judge-free zone. And I had these creepy nursery pictures in my room anyways. But I swear I would lay there and watch them, like, moving. It looked like the person was, like, swinging in the swing. Okay. It did not feel good in my room. I still have dreams about this house. Oof. And things would be, like, chasing me down the hallway. I would hear noises in the hallway. Something would be, like, tugging at me. All yeah. kinds of crazy stuff. And, of course, I was told it was basically, like, you're just a little kid. You're having dreams still in your head. Yeah. My, <laughs> my dad has had interactions with the ghost there. Scared the crap out of my mom one time because he told her that there was a man sitting on the edge of her bed. Oh, cool. Thanks, Dad. And, and even now, my mom's like, I don't want to talk about this. Yeah. <laughs> Said, like, he could see stuff there. My sister, I, you know, I've spoken to her. She said that she would hear things in the hallway. She had, like, the bad negative energy all the time. So she has, like, her own experiences. Um, I haven't directly talked to my brother, but my grandmother would tell me all the time that he would, like, see lights in the house, like little orbs, and he'd be following oh. them. He, he would sleepwalk. Yeah. But he would be following the lights. And I think that one time she said that they literally found him outside, like, trying uh, to follow things. I'm so sorry. That is awful. <laughs> I would be so scared yeah. to be the sleepwalker and also to be the parent of the sleepwalker. Like, I can't, I don't know what I would do if I found my child outside. Yeah. Following lights in his sleep. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, she did. She did say that, that she would see things or whatever. Or he would. Um. So, yeah, like, that house in general, it's just there was always that spooky element that I never realized it was not just me and it wasn't, like, all in my head. Like, other people were seeing and hearing things as well. Yeah. That's such an interesting perspective because for, I'm sure for a while you were like, oh my God, I, am I okay? Oh yeah. <laughs> am I okay? Is and I'm still real? that way. I'm like, wait, what? Yeah. But think, again, it's all on my dad's side of the family because my mom never saw, heard, felt anything. Hmm. It's just my dad, my brother, my sister, because they were, they're my half brother and sister technically. 
on my dad's side, but they're my brother and sister. I mean, yeah. for all intents and purposes. But yeah, again, it's just like that. And just that bloodline. Yeah, it is. Because it's there's just... so many other things that we can talk about later, I guess, you know, in other episodes. Yeah, we have, <laughs> I mean, we could go on forever. Yes, so. because there's other things that have been witnessed by people in my family that are not my direct family. So yeah, there's always like been, I, I've had that own little sense of haunting in my dreams in my life stuff since I was a little bitty. Yeah, same. Same. Oh yeah. <laughs> but I mean, you know, I feel like I didn't live in a haunted house ever. I just was a haunted person. I, I, I feel that so deeply. You know what yeah. I mean? Like it wasn't the location that was ever the issue, it was me. Yeah. And there's some, there's ways to like kind of like, we'll break down too, like the different levels of things. Um, so like, my other question is, or my next question is, what made you believe in or like see the realm of like, de- not, de- can't talk, demonic evil? Like, could it potentially be a real thing um, or something that you would believe? Because I know like you and me have had the conversation too where you feel like there's no really true evil spirits, there's just spirits. Yeah, so I feel like I don't know that I have an, a solid belief on this yet. I feel like, okay, this is where I'm going to talk in circles, so I'm going to try not to. I definitely believe in the idea of balance and duality, right? Mm -hmm. So if there's darkness, there's light. Well, I mean, we're duality by nature, so other things are as well. You know what I mean? Right, yes. So, like, that's how I feel about that. So if you're following that principle, then theoretically there should be good and evil. But then the question becomes, is the good and evil human only? And, and... Or is it also good and evil spiritually? Or is it when you become spirit, you are only one thing, so you can't be dual? Does that make sense? Actually, like, if you subscribe to the idea that everything comes from one source, one God, one life force, one energy, one whatever word you want to put on yeah. it, then once you return back to that, does that cancel out the idea of duality, good versus evil, etc., versus when you're human, you are now in a dual space like well it makes sense to you because you have let's go with angels and demons Mm -hmm. you've got the angels which are on the they're not dual nature they are holy Mm -hmm. they are good then you have the demons and then they're of their own nature of they're not good they're evil so yes there's like a single thing if you're on those ends of the spectrum but that doesn't also mesh well because lucifer himself is a fallen angel he was once a angel of you know good that yeah. chose to fall. So that shows that, and, and, and choice is something that we're taught in the Bible anyways. Right. You do have your own choice. So he chose to do that, which means to me, they still have a dual nature. They have to have a dual nature to make that choice. Right. At least that's where my brain's kind of running with that. Yeah. I mean, I understand that if you were speaking strictly about Christianity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I can certainly see that 100%. It's yeah. just one of those things that like, I don't know yet. I have not encountered myself an evil entity. Yes. And I think, it, like, some people have never encountered a spirit at all. And so it's kind of the same thing. You know, people would be like, well, I don't believe in ghosts because I've never, like, encountered one. Mm-hmm. But then once you encounter one, you're like, oh, well, that's real. So, like, I feel that I'm not inviting. <laughs> I'm not asking to be proven there's wrong. there's times, too, like, for instance, but, um, children. One of my cousins, like, his mom died when he was very, very, very young. Like, he never really met her. But it was, like, one day when he was young, he he saw her and described her, and it was her, like, mm-hmm. to the T. Like, he would never have known who she was. Mm-hmm. So, 
he might not ever remember that instance, but the people around him do. Yeah. So, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Well, that reminds me of like the reincarnated kids. Exactly. Which, and that's we're a, we do have a whole that. episode yes. on that. But it reminds me of that. Like, how are these kids able to know about lives past exactly. to this like ridiculous amount of detail? Yes. So, you know, anyway, that's a tangent. Uh, yeah. No. But, I'm, I, and I'm all about us doing like a kind of like we were all linear, but things could also be multiple all at once. Like there's, mm-hmm. you're the person that I always can talk to about these things because yeah. like, it's so fascinating, these ideals and stuff. It really is. Um, so yeah, like for me, I, I still like, there are a few things in horror that will really mess me up. And one of them of course is like chainsaws, which I've gotten better with like, you know, like evil dead, stuff like that, you know, kind of get away with that. But uh, possession is my number one thing that scares the shit out of me. <laughs> and it's because I was so heavily ingrained that this was real, yeah. things were real. And then like the, the spirits that I felt when I was young, those were very, if they weren't evil, they were mischievous as hell and they were picking on us. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. not cool. That was something horrible. And I carry that with me to this day, too. I still have night tears. Yeah. Like, with that feeling when I wake up. Yeah. So, like, I, I feel like things are out there and there is a duality. Like, we've already spoken to. Like, I yeah. feel like there's good. I feel like there's bad. And there's probably everything in between. Because that's how it is as humans. It's a spectrum. It is. It's a spectrum. We should have named the podcast. <laughs> we really should have. Welcome to the Spectrum Podcast. Exactly. <laughs> but not to be confused with the internet. Right. Um, so, yeah, there's that. So, let's, I was going to break something down, you know, like hauntings versus possessions. So, the Bell Witch was a haunting. No one really actually was physically possessed. They were just assaulted and abused, basically. Yeah. Um, so, there are factual conditions that can look like a possession, which we've discussed. There's, um, you got your medical versus your spiritual. So... I, I've read up on a lot of articles and stuff for this. So there was one uh, Christian psychiatric professional. She kind of laid it out in a pretty good way. Like, demons tend to be secretive. They're unannounced. They're clear. They're knowledgeable. They had they possess information that no one should know. Yeah, I actually was going to talk about this, too, yes. in the case I'm going to share later in this episode. Because it talks about the standards that... Sorry to interrupt you. I no, just realized fine. I totally started talking over you. Um, there's three main standards that the church holds to determine whether or not someone is demonically possessed. And that is supernatural knowledge. Things that you know that you should have no knowledge of. Yep. Like about people, places, and things that you don't know. Or intimate details that nobody knows. Um, supernatural language. You're able to speak languages that you don't. We're totally speak. overlapping too. Because Are we? Like, I wrote the same <laughs> and then supernatural strength. Like you can do yes. things that you're unable to do human in your human form. Anyway, carry on. No, like literally, so, a lot of that is is also in my stuff. So, yeah, yeah, totally. So to say that, you know, to give the church credit, they aren't just treating. Nope everybody like they're demonically possessed they are there is there are some very strict rules actually uh, surrounding possession if you're doing it in an er exorcism rather if you're doing it in an ethical way of course there are people out there who do not do it ethically but from the church's standpoint you need to follow these regulations do are they showing signs of at least these three things to determine is it mental illness related or is it uh, possession. Exactly. So, anyway, I oh, did yes. want to mention that because I didn't. I feel like there's always a big discussion around the church being like unethical and not allowing and people to get are. treatment when they should, which those cases have certainly happened. Yes. But for the most part, it does appear like. 
they try to regulate it as much as possible. Oh yeah, especially after so many things happening. For instance, there's one thing that, I, the one that I'm basing off today was like a bajillion years ago, and I think this was the case that started to change that. Okay. Um. So yeah, no, absolutely. Everything she just said, like I was totally gonna mention it later, and now I'm like, eh, what we said earlier. I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, you're fine. You're fine <laughs> because it's that's good. Like we we are on the same page. Um, so like, so she was saying that's kind of like what you're looking for when it comes to demons. Mental illness is the opposite. It wants to announce itself. People usually declare that they are possessed. Um, they prattle on about things, but it's, they're not sure about subjects, you know, everything. Just like they kind of make stuff up as they go. Um, and I read to, oh no, I didn't put it on here. It's kind of like that saying, like, rich people don't have to tell you how rich they are, like... You know, yeah, they, and then they people just that have, also want to boast about it, but they yeah, really yeah. don't have it. But if you know they put on a show, then you can guesstimate that they aren't exactly as well off as they say that type of thing. I kind of agree with that, yeah. Yeah, I think that about a lot of stuff. Like nice people don't have to tell you how nice they are; they're uh, just nice. Exactly. Like, like you just want to be kind. So <laughs> anybody that comes to me and is like, "I'm just so humble," and like I yes. just, I'm like, "Are you? Well, are you like, really?" That's my biggest thing. I, and I will say this: like people talk about me all the time. People say horrible things about me all the time. You know, whatever. I don't care. Like all I want to be known for is the fact that I'm a kind person. And I hate that. I'm not saying that to be like that. I'm just like literally all I want to be known for. <laughs> not the fact that she's stupid. Not the fact that she's First of fat. All, not the fact. You know what I mean? Like stuff like that. Stop that people it. have said. Quit saying what you know, they said. They're I just, know. But I'm just saying, like, okay. in spite of like all those things that people hear and say, like, I just want to be a good person and I just want to be a nice person. Well, you are a good person it. and you are a nice person. You're and whoever's saying bad things about you, I'm gonna have to pull a Pam. Right. And- <laughs> Damn it, Pam. <laughs> We're just not gonna entertain that, Fran. <laughs> Um, I forgot the Bible verse. I want to say it was like Mark 6.13 or something. But in that verse, it actually distinguishes between possession and illness. In the Mark something? I think it's Mark 6.13. Okay. But it actually, yeah, it does tell you, you know, how to address people that are possessed. But it says that you need to take care of the people that are just sick, basically, is like kind of what it does. And I love the fact that I don't typically like quote scripture or anything, but the fact that that right there acknowledges Acknowledges it. However far back it's been, yeah, <laughs> there are two different ways to approach this, and you need to address them carefully. Yeah. So I do appreciate that. Um, and then I think it was, like, the same person in the same article talking about, like, you know, demons announcing themselves versus not. Um, but she's like, a good way to kind of really also, if prayer and stuff fixes it, then it's a demon. If medicine fixes it, it was a mental illness. Like, <laughs> That's a fair statement. That's just a very blank, just boom right there statement. <laughs> Zoloft does not work on demons. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, so I'm just going to like, actually, there's a few different things. And I'm just going to like list off the um, actual effects of these disorders. Because you can correlate them into what could look like a possession Mm -hmm. so like schizophrenia is like one of your top ones that people are going back and forth over so you do have delusions hallucinations you have like word salad issues where you're um, fully not answering questions you just jump to unrelated topics unless you're adhd and we do that all the time yeah Um, you're just saying (laughs) words that don't make sense yeah that's what that is um so extreme paranoia thoughts of grandeur um resulting back to your childhood Sudden and, and unpredictable agitation, inability to focus on any kind of task or instructions, bizarre postures, which you know, sometimes when we're looking at these weird postures of people in possession films and such, if we're going to relate to possession films, 
a lack of response or they'll just be catatonic for a while neglect of personal hygiene um emotional response socially completely withdrawn hey look that's me um (laughs) no interest at all in everyday activities like they have zero pleasure in anything in teenagers um they're less likely to see um visual hallucinations but they can have delusions and i actually wrote some of this stuff out like actual definitions so um delusional disorder which was called paranoid disorder it's typically a mental illness called psychosis in which a person cannot tell what is real from what is imagined so the main feature of the disorder is presence of delusions which are unshakable beliefs that something is untrue and then of course the hallucinations seeing things that aren't there objects um visual patterns people lights they'll just kind of see things that other people cannot see because they're in the middle of a moment is what i guess i'll call it big one too encephalitis (laughs) that is very serious medically that can be um attributed to the belief that it is a possession so there's memory loss you always talking to each other in the third person um chaotic behavior like for instance taking off your seatbelt and trying to run out in traffic mm-hmm. and then in quotes here my dad had men- spinal meningitis once the doctor mm-hmm. said he had like 24 hours to live by the yeah. time i got there mm-hmm. but my grandmother said he literally was trying to open the door speeding down the road to get to the hospital and jump out yeah like he was completely off his rocker at that yeah. point in time hallucinations hyper aggression which we see in possessions mm-hmm. hypersexuality which we see in possessions mm-hmm. hyper religiosity seizures catatonic ocular deviation they won't sleep for days weeks or months basically mm-hmm. involuntary spasms movements muscle rigidity mm-hmm. all that stuff so i also read about the placebo effect okay because there's this one book and i'm leaning up over here I rented this from the library and listened to the first few chapters and eventually just bought the book. I haven't, obviously haven't finished reading it or anything, but in this book, this guy is talking about his brother. He had these like warts on his hand that he's always had his whole life. Okay. And he went to this, um, kind of like witch doctor healer and she told him, Hey, you have to do this, this, and this, and this, you have to believe in it and then it'll go away. Okay. He did that. It didn't work. So he went back to her. He's like, listen, lady, these warts are still here. <laughs> They're still here. Yeah. Can you see my yeah. hand? I believe these warts are still here. <laughs> One, two, three. There they are. Yep. And she said, okay, you really were not believing. You have to do this over again and believe. He did it. They were gone. Okay. So, like, the guy writes in the book. He's like, it's kind of like a placebo. Is it because he believed it? Is it because of this, like, root work? Which, honestly, root work's been around for years, and listen, a lot of it does work. I'm a Reiki master, so if we're talking about the power of intention and healing, yes. that's a whole nother conversation. Yes. So, I, you know, they've done studies. The BBC covered, uh, on a, one, of their, one of their documentaries for the BBC covered a um, scientific study on the power of intentional healing, like Reiki healing, um, that proved that it can improve your healing time. So, check that out. Um, no, Annie and I are full believers in this, as well as like what I call the old ways and what my dad calls the old ways. You know, like there's just some things that root healing and going back to a natural state, like it works. I'm like, <laughs> why don't you want to try it everything? Works. Like, I'm not saying that I can pray away your cancer, but I am saying like, let's do it all. Yeah. You know, little chemo here, little exactly. laying of hands there, and not just that, but like spiritual healing there too helps the attitude, the positivity, like yeah. something that really does. 
help make a difference, yes. I think. Well, they also did a study, well, not a study, but they did an experiment. One of Some scientists, I can't remember the details, but if I remember, so sorry, if I remember, I will send it to you so we can put it on Instagram. But they did that experiment where they said nice things to water, and then they said bad, like, mean things to water, and they froze it to see the differences in what the molecules would look like frozen. Exactly. And, and you tell. Yeah. And it's, they've done it with pants. Pants. <laughs> they tell you with pants. They tell you with pants. They did they? <laughs> <laughs> plants. Where they played, like, yeah. you know, classical music, mm-hmm. like, heavy metal. Yeah. Or they've done the same thing. They've been, like, screaming negative environment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I've actually, I know this is really going into pseudoscience, but they've actually done it with, like, sound waves and walls where, we, like, people have been, like, kind oh. and gentle and everything but also pe- like places that have been loud abusive whatever yeah it's really freaky i know but I, like i've read about it before yeah it's just crazy oh and my i God. love it I'm like, <laughs> we are so into this squirreling <laughs> um but yeah so the water that was negatively spoken to was like super jagged and mm-hmm. you know you'll i'll have to send yes. i'll find it and we'll put it on instagram Definitely. like an instagram Anyway, Let's do it. Carry on. So I believe in the power of intention, yeah, or the placebo effect, or like however you want to phrase it. But one hundred percent. So yeah, you know, it's just like kind of is that kind of thing like in there, like and if you treat someone as like, is it possession or whatever, and it works, you know. So sometimes it is like mentally a placebo effect. Yeah. Other times, no. Yeah. <laughs> Other times, there's it just is what it is. And of course, brain injuries, um, I've had a bunch of those, (laughs) and trauma that can contribute to your mental illness. So according to medical professionals, brain injury and trauma can in fact be a cause for mental illness, and as always, you know, there are other exterior causes that can be accounted for, like genetics, environment, and drug use. Well, that's why all those football players get concussions and, like, kill their girlfriends and stuff. Um, Actually, that was a generalization, but it is true. I mean, Um, yeah. But there's also a lot of the serial killers that... Um, are very well known had traumatic injuries in their childhood from brain brain related injuries yeah so yeah i've had many concussions and then for a little bit there you know they're always talking about like the the lawsuits for yaz yeah i was on it and i was having many strokes oh great yeah Good for you. So I already had enough but you didn't have a baby. Problems, you didn't you know? have a baby though. No, I didn't have a baby. <laughs> so it worked. We're good. Thank God. No, I did not need that on my plate at that point in time. And I'm not trying to be, like, anti-baby, guys. I mean, yes, I, I'm not a mother. I have animals. That's enough for me. But like, the situation I was in at that point did not need that to happen. Right. Um, alrighty. So, we're going to look more into the religious aspect. So, you've got oppression, possession, and then, of course, the, um, what's my third one? Uh, infestation. That's it. So, um, oppression, it's like attacking or attacking an individual, um, as singular or multiple entities. It's often disguised as past loved ones lying so that they're not actually detected as demons. The lesser attacks, um, they're, they're lesser than full possession. Um, and then things that are going on around them instead of like in them. So it's like the haunting thing, basically. Okay. Okay. You know, so things are around you, but they're not possessing The demons you. are interfering with your life. Yes. They're pretending to be your loved ones, calling your name down the deep, sparky, sparky, <laughs> deep, what am I saying? Deep, spooky hallway. There you go. I was like, even I don't know what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> I'm having a mini stroke, but I'm not it's even on yes. Um, but yeah, they're like, it's happening around you. Yeah. And that's oppression. It is. It's Got it. Oppression. 
Possession. Possession by NCL Body Girl. Girl. They get all up in it. It's like, yeah, look at yeah. this bitch. They said, hello. I'm here. <laughs> hello. Hello. I'm inside. <laughs> Guys, I'm sorry, but Medea is one of my favorite people in this world. All right. Uh, the host actually goes through not only things happening around them, but through them. So... Biggest reports are knowledge that they otherwise wouldn't possess. Yes. Such as foreign languages never known. Supernatural knowledge, yes. supernatural language, and personal information strength. about individuals never shared. Even yeah. long distance information about other people. Yes. Levitation. Love that. Individuals that are taken over by entities, taking on voices, fighting captors, and collapsing with no supposed recollection of their episodes. And they loathe the church and everything that it implies. So, many Christians believe in oppression, but not possession. I just discussed this with my bestie the other day. Because um, there's like, and, and also like even now, a lot of modern day, like if you're a modern Catholic, a lot of them will say, no, we don't believe this anymore. Traditionals will say yes. Like like here, the Christians will be like, oh, we can be oppressed, things around us, but we cannot physically be possessed. And um, so there's just everybody, no matter who you talk to, there's going to be a different belief system on that. They got a different opinion. Exactly. So like Catholics tend to believe it and teach against it to prepare others um, to the best of their knowledge just to avoid it. Um, many of them completely slam any form of communication with spirits, um, mm-hmm. such as satanic ones. Uh, some admit to that they have gifts from God. And they keep in mind that the uh, absolute need for evaluation here mentally, <laughs> like this is like one of those things, is it the delusions of grandeur or whatever. Yeah. And so, and then of course, like Satanism, I'm not just picking you out on this. I know that there are people that that is their belief, their religion. And so being its own religion, society tends to always blame anything like this on Satanism right. and others. Um, it'll gather all gifts or opposing beliefs into like an umbrella relationship instead of one thing or another. Um, and just that's who they all tend to blame things on. Um, they have many gifts and um, most of them are Christian, others are just spiritual. But yeah, I mean like you start getting into like voodoo mm-hmm. and, and things like that in other countries. You know, and, and they may or may not actually accept the fact that there is a devil or, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. we, we tend to always lump it into one thing, but it's yeah. actually very multicultural, very broad. Yeah. You know, again, another comment, you know, for like another spiritual podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Delving into things. So, infestations um, is also like disruption of the environment around you, such as objects. Even, they can even be, uh, animals can be possessed. And everything around your home. Rick- Ricky? Ricky, Ricky, are you possessed? He's like, what? Oh, the tongue. I, I know. He, Ricky's tongue, taking a nap in our studio, which is my bed. And he's got his, I always know when they're ha- when he's happy because he has his tongue out of his mouth. He said, you guys said my name. He's like, hey, what? buddy. I know. I know. Yes. Thank Say, you no, for the I'm not possessed. No, you should go, boy. That's so, like, could you imagine being with an animal that's I don't want to think about that. Yeah, no, me either. Like, I am so obsessed with my babies, and if they started acting crazy... I dreamt about it, though. Um, so, yeah, the environment, like, um, let's see, visual hallucinations involving seeing things that aren't there. And the hallucinations, again, could be objects, patterns, people are like, um, for example, like, you may see a person who's not in the room, or you see lights flickering and flashing, but it's all completely normal to everyone around, around you. So only you are seeing it. Exactly. So... My longest running bestie over the years, we have a lot in common. That's how we became best friends because we have most all the same physical illnesses 
and mental illnesses. All the illnesses. <laughs> so we really just get each other. Right. <laughs> so um, she actually allowed me to talk about her today. I'm not listing her name or anything, but... An anonymous, um, an anonymous spooky bitch. Exactly. And she's one of our number ones as well. She's always listening. She's in love with the podcast. She loves us so much. Um, like, we, we've decided, because we both are just, like, bad at relationships and bad at life, so we're just going to be future golden girls love and that. just, like, have our own little relationship oh my gosh. <laughs> later on. I'm into it. But I definitely respect her anonymity, and um, she literally just messaged me and volunteered this information. I didn't even have to ask for it. I love that. So, yeah, um, whenever this person was very young, her family, they were zealots. Okay. And I mean extreme zealots. And they were very, very committed to the fact that she was possessed. Were they Mormon? No. I feel they like... were Catholic. Okay. Got it. Yes. So, yeah. Absolutely, like, profound. She is possessed. So, she actually had borderline personality disorder. Okay, so her family thinks she's possessed. Yes. And they're like, you're possessed. It's yes. not funny. I'm so sorry. You're possessed. And she's like, I'm not possessed. Yes. I just need help. Exactly. Okay. Pretty much. And they diagnosed her with borderline personality disorder. She had that. Yes, she did have that at the time. Okay. Yes. They didn't, not her family. No, but but she saw someone. Science. Science. Scientifically, (laughs) she may or may not have filled out a questionnaire, and the questionnaire said. Said this. You could have this. Exactly. And the reason, you know, the reason that they were kind of associating thinking she was possessed when she was really just suffering from borderline personality. She would, like, you know, switch personalities. She'd be lashing out. She wouldn't even recognize that she was doing any of this, which well, is consistent. Assume, sorry. I would assume she was, like, a teenager at this that time. That too. Yeah, like, so, like, I don't know if you've ever been a teenage girl, but I have. <laughs> and that's hard. Yeah. And <laughs> that's a lot of feelings. But just say, yeah, we feel like you're possessed, too, at that point in time. So, I get it, girl. So, yeah. But also, borderline personality is, is um, really difficult I don't want to say disease, but I mean, it's it, a very difficult uh, affliction, I guess, is. to have. Yes. Uh, because it can make you very afraid of abandonment. And when you're afraid of losing someone or something that you really, really love and is very precious to you, I think we would all do crazy things. And so in the instances, I don't have borderline personality disorder, but I've had many people in my life who have had it. And a lot of times everything that they do is fear based. Mm -hmm. Their actions are the result of fear of loss of something they love or care about. And unfortunately, it can lead to some just drastic behavior. Oh, it can. Um, that ends up being more damaging. It's kind of one of those um, issues where you don't, you're so afraid you're going to lose someone that you push them away because of your fear of losing them and your behavior from the fear. Does that make sense? Um, yeah, I was diagnosed with it years and years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, they said, they say, you know, I'm recovered from stuff and I'm, I'm different stuff now plus I've been misdiagnosed but yes I understand everything that you're saying and there's like a whole lot more too to it yeah. but the, and it's in extremes too like people don't realize like no one understands that fear no one and half the time like we don't even understand how we're feeling and why we're feeling this way and a lot of it like it can be like a genetic thing but it's also very environmental and trauma based and stuff growing up and everything so like that's a whole, if we did a psychology episode, yeah. Like, there's so much we could go into with yeah. that kind of stuff. Um, so, yeah, like, I mean, it's a very serious disorder. And like you said, like, you can just snap into one thing and from moment to moment and lash out at people that you normally wouldn't lash out at. 
And it's pretty brutal, honestly. I can't imagine. And I think, like, too, it's, one, confusing to be inside your brain when you have borderline personality disorder, but it's even more confusing to be outside of the brain and being someone else because you don't hear everyone's internal monologues. Exactly. And even though they may not even understand their own internal monologue, they do know that they're afraid. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, they do know, oh, I feel a sense of paranoia because what if this person is whatever. But the outside people aren't hearing that. So to them, they're seeing one very extreme behavior and then instantly a different Mm -hmm. behavior. And so I could see how the family may be like, something is going on with you. You're yeah, two it's people. very serious. Yeah, yeah, like two, you're several different people inside of one body. Are you okay? Yeah, exactly. I don't know that I would jump to possession immediately, but... <laughs> oh, but they do. I can certainly see, you know, that, that I'm not, you know, I don't think that they were being ridiculous, like being concerned with something being wrong. You know what I mean? Yeah. I do think that maybe they should have, like, not jumped to possession immediately. Exactly. But go ahead. Yeah, no, I understand completely. Like, okay, this is the thing. Like, we need help, but we don't need, like, that kind of help. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, even me, I'll be like, I, I need assistance, mm-hmm. but I don't need a possession or a, um, exorcism. <laughs> Not today. Not today. Maybe tomorrow. You know, I don't know. Knows. Come on back. I'll be feeling froggy tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, I'm feeling a little demonic. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, what we already know, of course, is, you know, a, the largest portion of the time, you're facing a medical issue. It's not diabolical. Yeah. You know, in this case... She we, wasn't speaking Chinese out of nowhere. Exactly. And lifting cars over her head. Exactly. <laughs> she, she wasn't, like, you know, spinning her head around, spewing pea soup, and then just... She didn't pee on the carpet at the basing. dinner party. I'm masturbating. I'm masturbating. <laughs> <laughs> Crucifix. Oh, uh, trigger warnings, guys. Yeah. Trigger warnings. I'm so sorry. I feel like... We already were... warned you to, like, stay away from this. It's, it's you know... Bless you. you. Is that the demon coming That's out? That's what it was. It, it just exited right here. <laughs> um, so yeah, like, you know, in this case, it was purely medical, but her family was unrelenting. Like, they were trying to force her into consenting to an exorcism on repeated occasions. Um, but she was actually of an age that she could make her own choices, so she ended up leaving and becoming estranged from that entire half of the family. What? So I'm like, go girl, go. I didn't see that coming. Get away from them. Good for you for advocating for yourself. Yes. Also, let's just take a minute, because I bet that was probably the hardest thing in the entire world to go through. What a horrific feeling to have been raised by this group of people and, like, by default love them because you feel like you should because they're your family and for them to turn on you like that to the point where they're so adamant about it that you have to then leave them for life yep that is awful i am so sorry i don't know i just feel like if i were in that situation like how terrible is that? I mean, good outcome for the most part because you got away and you're doing well now, I hope. But, like, what a really shitty, what a really shitty life yeah. experience, you okay. know? Like, that's not okay. I'm sorry. Never will be. No, that's ridiculous. And as a mom, like, I feel like I know that you can believe a lot of things in life, but as a mom, to basically do that to your child I cannot fathom yeah I can't fathom that even if I really felt like 
it was, I mean, I wouldn't. But even if I really felt like it was my religion, I would want to, like, at least be able to have a relationship where I could keep tabs on my kid, you know? Like, not just... Oh, yeah, no, it was like, and it, it, you know, like I said, it was her family on that side. It wasn't just, yeah. like, her father. It was, like, everybody everybody on that side. That's what's crazy to me. Like, so okay. I'm just, like, you know, like, it does suck, but at the same time, like, I am proud of you. Oh, I'm really proud of her. <laughs> I mean, I don't know that I, I could have done that. Because she's like, yes, Good I do you. need help, and, you know, like, I admitted it and needed it, and she got it, and she got away from a very toxic family. Which is amazing. Which is so hard to do. I just, like, yeah, no, I'm... But also, I'm proud of her like, for a thousand reasons anyway. Yeah, like, very proud. I, I know her for so much. But That's an incredible story. I hope you write a book because <laughs> I would read it. I would too, actually. Like 100% yeah. would read that. And but actually, also, too. like, I'm very sorry that you didn't get the family you deserve. You oh, she got she got her mama and all okay. the good people too. Like, okay, yeah, good. No. So we her do mother still have. It's freaking amazing. Okay, great. So yes. she does still have some family. Yes. I does. thought her whole family, everybody. No, no, no. This she is just, like her. Just your dad. Yeah, got it. Side of it. All right. Well, screw that side of the family. Also, <laughs> <laughs> congratulations for escaping. Yes. Um, so you know, ever since you know, since then she's been able to address her mental health issues. Um, but she also has a ton of physical ailments, and this is one re- one of the reasons why we're so close to you, because like we literally understand each other mentally all the way through every single thing and physically, because people people are committed to misunderstanding other people. To judging other people, mm-hmm. things they don't know, things they don't understand, mm-hmm. and it sucks. It really sucks because people don't know, especially if you're high functioning. Yeah. People don't know, yeah. and it's nice to have someone that knows. Yeah, <laughs> and I just love her to bits for everything. I think it's always good to feel heard and understood, exactly, and seen by someone. Yes. So, and someone that really does know what's going on in your head and in your body, because like nobody else gets it. And the girls I, who get it, get it. And the exactly. girls who don't, don't. And uh, so uh, the best thing, too, I, I, <laughs> that I love, she's actually converted from Catholicism to Buddhism now. Oh, love yes. that. Oh, my goodness. She's, I love a Buddhist. Yeah. And, and she's always, like, helping me with mindfulness and everything and trying to keep me on my calm, meditative toes, I guess you would say. You know, like, she's just the sweetest, most amazing person. She's going through so many things right now, and she feels what she feels, and she needs to feel it. She can always be honest with me. I can always be honest with her. It's an amazing relationship. I love you so much. I know you're out there. I know you're listening. (laughs) Um, Okay, great. So, yeah, I I didn't even know this either. At all? At all. I, I, we've been friends for well over a decade, and she messaged me and told me all this, and I was like, what the F? Like, how, how have I not known this? Yeah, like, how would you, how do you just skip that part? I know, right? Like, we know literally everything else about each other. Yeah. <laughs> and you've never told me this. But, I mean, obviously, right time, right place. What a shocker. Happen. If any of my friends are listening who have crazy secrets like this, if you don't tell me immediately. Right. And if any of my friends have some, you know, and you want to tell me, I'm all about this. Or if any of our listeners have any shocking life stories, I want to hear about it. Yes. Hauntings, yes. Anything, All yes. <laughs> so, um, anyways, so, like, the book I was talking about earlier, The Psychiatrist. So, it's called Demonic Foes, is the name of it, by Richard Gallagher. Um, and naturally, I found it a little bit too late to actually read the whole thing, but... I am very psychologically driven. You're very psychologically driven. And I was really really curious about the meshing of science and religion together. 
So naturally, the idea of this book really piqued up my interest because it's written by a psychiatrist of over 25 years, and he was a skeptic, and then he was turned believer after being sought out to assess a young woman named Julia for an exorcism. And while I can just easily sit and talk about her case because it is so fascinating, and there's more cases in the book, um, it was horrifying, it was riveting. I was going to go with that case, but I decided to go with a different one instead for today. Okay. So, um, I look forward to reading more about Dr. Gallagher's <gasps> other stories. Um, and I do have my physical copy, finally. Got here, like, yesterday. Ooh, I want to read that. It, so like I said, if you get your library card for our local library, it is an audiobook, too. Because that's what it was. I was listening to it in between doing other things. Yeah, I love an audio. And like I said, it's just so fascinating because this guy is a psychiatrist. He's a doctor. He did not believe in this stuff. And then he consulted with her. And after that, yes. Yeah. So there's plenty of like little YouTube interviews. There's one where there's a guy that's just like you. He's like, I've never actually met a evil spirit. Yeah. And he communicates. Yeah. And stuff. So it's pretty fascinating too. Like I thought about us immediately whenever I <laughs> watched that interview. <laughs> Um, but yes, like if you guys are interested in science and religion yes. or spirituality, mm, excuse me, I'm so sorry. Um, this is definitely one. I haven't finished it, like I said, but Tomorrow it's really comes. good so far. Yes. Ooh, let's start a book club. <laughs> oh, okay. we can do that. Yeah. Let's <laughs> do it. Okay. Let's do it. Actually, my ADHD just doesn't allow me. No. I'll read start... half of it and then I'm like, and I'm going to go do something else. Yeah. <laughs> Same. <laughs> oh, no. But I guess we're going to finally get down to some nitty gritty here. And Annie is going to spill her tea. Okay, so we chose some cases. Because, you know, we can't go a podcast without some cases. Mm -hmm. So, um, I'm going to start with mine. And then I guess after that, Ellie has one to share with us. I do. Um, So, the case I'm talking about today comes from the Conjuring Trifecta. (laughs) What is is it called? When it's like a, a series, I a guess? trilogy. Trilogy. Thank you. That's where I am. I was trifecta. Anyway, so <laughs> that's also it. <a> <laughs> um, in each of the Conjuring movies, if you are unaware, at the end of them they have like pictures and stuff. A lot of the movies are um, based on real life events and stories. Anyway, at the end of the Conjuring Three, mm-hmm. there's information on this case, and it is the possession of Michael Taylor. Have you heard of it? Mm-mm. Okay, great. Um, but I do freaking love this movie. Oh, me too. I and I know that they're like a... F- I know they're a real couple, but the, the chemistry between these two actors in the movie is like, I ship them so much. I know. I love when you like, <sighs> root for a movie yes. cast. Oh. Okay, so this took place in 1974. Uh, Michael Taylor, though, was born in, on September the 21st in 1944. There's not a lot of information available on his childhood at all, though. Um, so I don't really have anything to tell you about that. I can tell you, though, at the time that this situation happened in 1974, he was living in England, in West Yorkshire, England, with his wife, Christine Taylor, who was 29 years old. Um, Michael was 31 years old they had five children and a poodle these people were busy okay yeah he's got a whole family a bunch of kiddos and a poodle okay and if you've ever met a poodle that's probably the highest maintenance animal slash living being in that home yeah love a poodle but man okay so he worked as a butcher listen i don't know why it's always the butchers (laughs) it's always the butchers no he worked as a butcher if people 
butchered a butcher. He butchered a butcher. If people would describe him, they would say he was boring. <laughs> he was just kind of like an uh, unremarkable dude. He was very sweet. He was a good father, very polite, very mild-mannered. He was loving and faithful and devoted to his family. But he was boring, you know? He just was Michael. Well, born old Michael. So around this time in England, there was an economic crisis going on. Lots of people were losing jobs. There was trash piled up in the streets. Like, it just was not like a booming time. It was actually pretty sad. Um, People were having trouble finding a job or keeping a job. Um, People were having trouble providing for families. There was a little bit of like um, poor, not poorness. What's the word? Poverty. Destitute poverty. Destitute situations happening. um, That sort of thing. So it was unfortunate at best uh, for everybody. Michael had also had a previous back injury and kind of had um, chronic pain from that. And he's trying to keep his job working as a butcher, standing on these hard floors every day, lifting up these heavy animal carcasses, you know, chopping stuff up. You know, he's just trying to keep his job and support his 800 kids and one poodle. And, you know, that's a lot of pressure, especially given the economic crisis around him, right? So he's just like, okay, I feel overwhelmed. I feel depressed. I feel defeated. I'm exhausted. You know, everyone's depending on me. I have all this pressure. I just want to give this good life to my family. And, you know, it just, he just was run down. Yeah. He was just tired. And I get it. And yeah, as people here with chronic pain problems. Right. It's just, you know. It's hard. It's just hard. And it's also mentally taxing, the physical pain. And there's always like a wish that you could change it or be better or, you know, do something different or, you know, any kind of hope. Something. Um, Also around this time in England, church was like a super big priority for people. Like, you went to church. There wasn't... If you didn't go to church, you were weird. Like, you went. Period. There's no other question about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, basically. It's like the South. Um, So the family at the time, the Taylor family, was trying to find a church, but like, they couldn't really find one that they felt at home at. They felt like all the churches were just like rigid and like stuck up and there was too many rules and... It was just, like, not a experience where they could, like, grow mm-hmm. um, in a church. So they just weren't able to find a church home that they really enjoyed. Uh, but they had this neighbor named Barbara. And Barbara was like, I can tell that you guys are struggling. Like, I know you're working really hard, Michael. Christine, you got these 85 kids and a poodle. Like, I know y'all are working on it. I actually just found out about this little church and I think you guys would love it. And they're like, tell me more, Barbara. And she's like, okay, I sure will. This pastor that runs this church, she is 21. She's young and beautiful. She is vibrant. I think it's going to help your depression, Michael. I think you got to go. So Christine and Michael talk and they're like, what do you think? I don't know. Let's give it a shot. So they decide they're going to go to the church. So It's actually more of like a small like fellowship group that meets um, and it's led by a girl named Marie Robinson and she's 21. She's beautiful. She is loud. She has this big personality. She's very charismatic. Um, 
it's just like this whole new experience. So Christine and Michael sit down and Marie starts leading the congregation of these few people. And it's, it's the type of church where it's more of like a healing center than it is like a sermon. Mm -hmm. So there, she's there to kind of like heal your afflictions, so to speak. And so people are crying. Marie is putting her hands on people. She's praying over them. She's speaking in tongues. Like it's just this very different environment for Christine and Michael because they're used to like the very pristine, rigid, quiet church ceremonies where we read a few Bible verses, we all pray and we go. And this was like kind of chaotic. <laughs> this is like, this is horrible, but it was kind of like the WWE, very production based like to them because they had never seen anything like that. But the church itself, you know, this was how they worshiped. This was real to them. It's like this when was you're a quiet Southern back roads or Baptist. And then you go to a Pentecostal church yeah, that is very loud, speaking in tongues, you know, like all this stuff it's is just, just like very... the opposite of what you're used to. Like, it's not mm -hmm. wrong. It's not just Not wrong, different. not bad, just a lot of energy, lots of things to look at, lots of people to see. Yes. And so Christine and, and Michael are like, what is this? I have never been to anything like this. This is so interesting. I'm just not really sure. Um, Marie is preaching. Christine and Michael are sitting, listening to her, watching all these things happen around them. And Marie makes a call to the altar. And she said, who in this room is needing healing? And Michael shoots his little hand up so fast. He like, just me. shoots it. Me, pick me, pick me, Marie. And it, <laughs> me, it, <laughs> it wasn't because of his depression, which is what I thought at first. I'm like, oh, thank God he's going to get help for his depression. No, he just wanted his chronic back pain to go away because that was the which root I cause. <laughs> which that was the root cause of his depression. Truthfully, if he could get rid of his chronic pain, he wouldn't have an issue holding down a job. And then he would be happier. Yes. Um, so he's like, please, God, please, Marie come heal me of this back pain. And Marie looks at him and she's like, yes, I'm going to walk towards you, Michael. I'm on my way. But, and he's like, yes, we're walking towards each other. It's like slow-mo. He's walking, she's walking. Both of them are walking. And then on the way, Marie notices this little lady crying on this pew by herself. And her name is Mavis Smith. So Marie stops there and she puts her hands on uh, Mavis and she starts to pray for her. And all of a sudden, Michael stops walking drops to his knees he's overcome with the lord and begins speaking in tongues which he's never done before mm -hmm. this is the first time he's ever been to the church the whole congregation is shocked because they're like oh my god this guy's never been here before and now he's touched by the lord because long story short in case you aren't familiar those who speak in tongues in their services are considered to be like filled with the holy spirit yeah, it's a like blessing kind of thing this is like good right so yeah. this is the most exciting thing you know people are longing to be touched by the holy spirit and speak in tongues which also a lot like a lot of people think that it's just gibberish that people are doing but a lot of a lot of people have actually recorded people speaking in tongues and translated it in other languages so um but that's a whole nother discussion an awesome discussion. for another day yes, yes. but anyway so michael's on the ground just going for it he's wilding out just speaking all the tongues he can and everybody's just shocked because it's the first time he's been there. Well, Marie looks up and she's like, oh my God, who is this man that is touched by the Holy Spirit? He must be important. I need to know about him. They keep praying over Mavis. I guess they calm her down. And at the end of the service, the Taylor family is like, oh, hell yeah, this is it for us. Like, this is our people. We have found our promised land. In fact, we would love to host the fellowship group at our house from now on. So you guys can come to our house. So they did. They got very involved in the church. They were leading Bible study groups. They were, 
you know, all of these things, you know, just hosting every time there was a service, all of that. So over time, Christine starts noticing that Michael and Marie have just a super friendly relationship and Michael's spending more and more time with Marie and Christine is like, Marie, why are you letting, yeah, like Marie, why are you letting my husband spend all this time with you? And Michael and Marie, um, Marie starts coming over the house and Michael and Marie start staying up to all hours of the night. Christine's like putting up these five kids to bed, you know, feeding the poodle. She's like, you know, getting the house settled. And the first couple of nights she's like, okay, cool. Like y'all are talking about God. Like, I love that. Let me talk about God too. Like I'm going to go to bed though. Cause it's the middle of the night and I'm tired from taking care of these five kids. Um, but y'all pray on and I'll see you in the morning. And then after a while, Marie's like, I'm sorry. What the actual hell are yeah. you talking about? Because nights and nights and nights are going by of them staying up all night talking together about God. And, you know, she's like, I'm trying to support your spiritual journey here, but like, hold up. <laughs> you have this, this is a little much. Of life yeah. Here. Like why you got to talk about it with Marie? Like, why are you not spending your nights with me anymore? So she's starting to get really uncomfortable. It's starting to like brew up in her a bit. And she's like, I'm not enjoying this. This is, this is not enjoyable for me. So, um, at this time, around this time, the Taylor family starts finding out that Marie has kind of an affinity for the dark side of spirituality. Like, she's just very interested in demonology, possession, you know, she has the ability to cast out demons, and, you know, they're they're just noticing that she's sort of turned more to that then she is like speaking the word of God. She's more focusing in on the darker side of religion versus like, here's the teachings the of the Bible. Yeah. yeah. And the town is like, this is crazy. Y'all are a cult. <laughs> the town's like, I don't know what y'all are doing, but I feel like you're a cult. And Marie. Which is another episode. Right. Oh my gosh. <laughs> don't even get me started. Um, Marie is just living her best life. She feels so powerful. She's the talk of the town. She's got this power to heal people, cast out demons. She's just like this spiritual badass in her mind. So she's thriving off this power. She's 21. So like, you know how you feel at 21. Say, you already feel invincible. Yeah. So now she's a demon hunter and is just like super boastful about it. Um, and this is, you know, of course the church is like, this goes back to the superhuman or supernatural knowledge, super, supernatural language, supernatural strength. Like that's the three standards that the church has to know if someone is demonically possessed versus having a mental affliction. So anyway, one night this fellowship group, the fellowship, the fellowship group gets together. They're going to have a service. Mavis is there again. And girl, she's just crying. Just poor Mavis. Poor Mavis is always crying. She's just sad, honey. She's just a sad little girl. So Marie sees that Mavis is crying. She just jumps up right away and she's like, Mavis is possessed by a demon. She's possessed and I need to deliver her from evil immediately. Um, we're going to exercise her right here in the church, which was not how exorcisms were supposed to be done. You are supposed to... There are channels. <laughs> yeah. You're supposed to like, one, have consent from Mavis. Two, it's supposed to be like through a team. There has to be a church decision. Some people vote on them. Some people do not. Mm-hmm. It's just like, you can't just like jump up and be like, Mavis is possessed. I'm going to take care of it. 
God, my wrist. So Marie's up there hooting and hollering. She's speaking in tongues. She's trying to cast these demons out. She's jumping up and down. She's like, you know, doing all these things. And Mavis falls to the ground. She's barking. She's thrashing. She's throwing herself all over the place. This little old lady, she's growling. She's crying, screaming. And Marie's just like, I'm going to keep putting my hands on you and praying for you. And the more that Marie prays, the louder that Mavis gets. And it's just over and over and over. Well, at some point, Marie just kind of like stops. Mavis doesn't stop. But Marie stops and like moves on to somebody else. And so she doesn't really ever she help gave up on Mavis. Me. You know, Mavis is still, you know, crying and screaming and rolling around on the floor. And Marie's like, well, I guess I'll move on. So that's obviously not ethical. Well, Christine Taylor is like, I'm so sorry. Excuse me. Why would you just leave Mavis like that? She's clearly possessed by a demon and your words and you're not fixing it. So like, what are you doing? Marie, you little 21 year old floozy. <laughs> and so this is, this is like the moment where the church is like, well, we don't know how we feel about Marie because she didn't handle the demon. She just let it be alive in Mavis. And so right after this, Michael starts getting really weird and he's got all these weird behaviors. Jumped into him. And he's afraid of the moon. And he's just acting. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. He becomes terrified of the moon. So he's a werewolf now? Yes. Gotcha. Terrified of the moon. He's not. Guys, we're not making fun of the situation. <laughs> this but, is just how I am. <laughs> so he's afraid of the moon. And like, okay. And so he's just acting differently. He, the more time he spends with Marie, the worse he gets. Christine is like, Michael, you're angry, you're irritable. He's isolating himself. He's just not who he was. Like, he's not this loving, faithful, boring dude anymore. <laughs> he's this angry, mean, scary dude who wants to talk to Marie. And that's really it. So they have another fellowship meeting at the Taylor home. And at this time, Christine is fed up. Like, Michael's being crazy. Christine doesn't understand why he's only talking to Marie. The church isn't really panning out the way she thought. So Christine stands up and she's like, I don't know what the hell's going on with you, Michael and Marie, in front of everybody. It's not in private. This is in front of a whole church. Oh I don't know what's going on with you, Michael, and you, Marie. I'm calling you out on your shit. <laughs> Y'all are wildin' and you need to go on upstairs and I want you to stay up there and talk it out until it's talked out and then you can come back down. I don't know about you, but I'm not sending my husband upstairs in my house with some other lady. Right? But, like, go to know. my bedroom and... Nah. I need y'all to go upstairs and work it out. Nah. No. Mm -mm. But, you know what? Christine, who knows? She was barely hanging in there. She had them five kids and that little, you know what I mean? So she was doing the best she could, and I get it. So they go up there, and first of all, they're like, oh my God, what do you mean, us? Go upstairs? So they go upstairs, and everybody else stays downstairs. Can you imagine how awkward that was? It's hell, yeah. Can't imagine. And so um, they go up there, do their thing, they come back down. Well, while they're up there, Marie said that Michael tried to kiss her, and she said no. Whatever. And of course. Whatever. Um, in fact, Marie was like, nothing's ever happened between us. We've never had a physical relationship. It's all been, like, emotional, spiritual, whatever. It's never been physical, whatever, whatever. Well, Michael announces to the group, oh, my God, praise God. You know, we did it. We're healed. We overcame our passions. This is a miracle oh that we've, gosh. you know, done all of these wonderful things. We're just so great. Blah, blah, blah. Michael, be quiet. You know, like, just stop. Memories, like, I don't know this boy. We didn't do nothing together. So, you know, whatever. Ha, ha, ha. And then they just go on about their business. So 
they're sitting down there after all that had occurred and as they're sitting there marie's looking at michael and all of a sudden she says his eyes completely changed that she just saw his eyes change like to this crazy look and she screams and jumps backwards she starts screaming and tongues in him she cowers in the corner and calls out to jesus over and over again jesus please jesus 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 please jesus over and over i mean she is obviously petrified because of whatever she's seen in his eyes well michael slaps her face slaps her across the face just wide open hand pop as she's speaking in tongues and the whole group is like Michael what the hell and so they're all grabbing on Michael Christine's trying to hold Michael back Michael's trying to go after Marie Marie's in the corner remember she's in the fetal position Jesus 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 and Michael's like like a bat out of hell trying to get to her and everybody's like what is going on somebody called the police the police came Michael finally calms down and everybody goes home now I don't know about you but if I was in that group that's where my story would have ended but that is not where the story ends today. Bye, Felicia. <laughs> so Michael says, okay, I knew at that moment I was overtaken by evil. He said he was looking at Marie and he saw her completely naked. And then he looked down at himself and saw himself completely naked. And then he said he blacked out and doesn't remember anything else. Well, that whole town of West Yorkshire is just yapping their lips. Did you hear about Michael? Oh my God, he's demonically possessed. He tried to attack the preacher. Did you hear that he was trying to make out with the preacher? Did you hear that, you know, Christine, da 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 just back and forth. Everybody's talking all the time. And as they do. As they do. Well, all this information gets around to another pastor in the town. And that pastor was known for exorcisms. That was his specialty. He delivered... Uh, he was known for the deliverance of demons is how they worded it. And that was his calling from God was to help save people, uh, by performing these exorcisms. And he was like, I've got to get to Michael Taylor. So him and his team go to the Taylor's house and Michael tells the pastor, Marie's been seducing me. She's a Satanist. Nobody knows, but she worships Satan. She's actually putting the demons inside of people. She's not taking them out. And the pastor's like, you know what? That's interesting because I heard that story about Mavis and how Marie wasn't following the rules of the exorcism. Uh, yeah, she and, wasn't laying hands. She was inducing hands. Right. And so that first time that Mavis was crying at church and Marie went to pray on her, they were like, she must have put a demon in Mavis because then the next time Mavis was at church, she was growling, hooting, and hollering on the floor. So the pastor's like, listen, I believe you. 100% believe you. I'm going to get a team together, Michael, and we're going to help you out. And Michael and Christine are like, Absolutely. I agree. So the pastor goes back home to get his affairs in order. Well, <laughs> Michael... I'm sorry. It just sounds like the finality of that state. <laughs> yeah. So Michael and Christine are like, what a wild life. We need a vacation. Let's plan one. So they start planning a vacation. They're like going to get take a getaway. It's going to be great. Well, Barbara, the neighbor, is like, oh, hold on a second. Y'all are going on vacation? Mm. So she calls up the pastor. She's like, you got to get your butt over here. These people are trying to go on vacation. This man is going to spread demons all over America. (laughs) You know, (laughs) you got to get this demon out. You need to get here (laughs) now, sir. And the pastor's like, oh, hell yeah, you're right. I am. I'm on my way. Um, So 
they're like, we got to figure out a way to get this exorcism rolling. So Barbara's like, I'm going to get a plan together. Um, and I'm going to go over to their house. Barbara says, I'm going to go over to their house and I'm going to tell them they need to come see you before they go on vacation. The pastor's like, great. So Barbara goes over there, tap, tap, tap. Hey, y'all need to go see this pastor guy. I don't know. Maybe just get like a blessing or something before you leave town. And they're like, oh, okay. Well, I guess we'll head on over to the pastor's house. So they go on over. Well, they didn't realize when they showed up, it was like an ambush, right? So the whole, the pastor, <laughs> all of the exorcism, intervention. all of the exorcism people are there. Michael's like, well, okay, if you say so. I mean, I guess I could get these demons out real quick. No big deal. So this is on October the 5th of 1974. That's when they started the exorcism, the day they started the exorcism. So they start the exorcism. They're throwing holy water on him. They're shoving crosses down his throat. They're screaming at him. They're reading Bible verses at him. They're holding him down. He's growling. He's punching people. He's attacking. You know, it's just this eight, it's eight hours of exorcism, eight hours. And I, I don't know about you, and this is mean. But I've sat through some church services that were 45 minutes. And it felt like That hours. felt like an eternity. Yeah. So I can't imagine <laughs> that one, eight hours of you are the sole focus of this very violent prayer is and how I'm going to describe it. eight hours of being the person working. Both sides. Yes. Yeah. It's <laughs> exhausting to me. Um, so eight out in this eight hours, they say they casted out 40 demons, like the demons of incest, of blasphemy, of theft, 40 demons, 40 of these demons. And he's like, during this situation, he's confessing to crimes. He's confessing to sins, things he's never done before. He's just saying all this stuff. And it was just really, I don't know. It's just really interesting. Cause I'm like, what, what? what are you talking about? All these things your body has never done before. What are these crimes? Anyway, it was just weird when he was talking about it. Um, but they get really tired after the 40th demon, the 40th one. They're like, I'm real sleepy. Marie's been busy. I'm going to need to go to sleep. Yeah. Right. I'm going to need to go to sleep. Like we can barely make it. The pastor's like, we've only got three demons left. Oh my God. There's only three of them left. I think we're going to be fine. Let's just go on home and we'll come back tomorrow. And the three demons they had left were the demons of insanity demon of anger and the demon of murder this man's gonna murder his whole damn family and the dog so one little lady stands up and she's like excuse me i think we should do this right now i think we should go ahead and finish and the group is like no i'm exhausted little lady i don't want to do this and she's like no literally the worst ones are left (laughs) if you want to let it go (laughs) right you could have left theft in there we could have left theft and got rid of murder like what's he gonna steal something right um but yeah she's like no i've had this vision and he's gonna kill christine if you do not do this exorcism finish it all the way right now he's gonna murder christine tonight you have got to do this and the group was like meh meh and they were like no we're gonna go on home and she's like well okay i tried you know what can you do so christine and michael go ahead and get home after they've been there christine's like i'm exhausted we're about to leave for vacation i'm gonna go ahead and get our five kids in the poodle and they're gonna go to the grandparents house so the kids go to the grandparents house everybody needs to rest we gotta finish an exorcism and we gotta pack so the kids aren't there it's just christine and michael about two hours after the kids are gone michael something comes over him i don't know i'm not sure what it is but it makes him get naked (coughs) the demon the demon, or the three demons, the, three. the trinity of demons, strip him naked. <laughs> he 
he gets naked and he starts screaming, running around speaking tongues again, which seems to be his favorite activity. I guess at this point he becomes extremely violent. I don't guess. He, there's no guessing. Yeah. He did. He, he in fact did become very violent. And this is where, you know, we've already seen the supernatural language with the tongues. Mm-hmm. And now we're going to see something else. So with his bare hands, he reaches into Christine's mouth. Okay, wait. Trigger, Trigger warning. warning. <laughs> uh, violent attack. That's all I'm going to say about that. He reaches into Christine's oh mouth. I'm, I'm going through things in my head that could happen. Go ahead. Go okay, on. okay. Sorry. What do you think's going to happen? I'm wondering if he's going to like straight up like break her jaws when I'm wondering, like just snatching stuff. Very close. Oh, okay. He reaches inside of Christine's mouth and rips her tongue out <gasps> with his bare hands. Holy snap. That's like the toughest muscle in the body, isn't it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh my God. So he rips her tongue out. Christine falls to the ground. And she's going to bleed. She's <sighs> profusely bleeding. She's choking on her own blood. Yeah. It's just insane he takes his fingers and he gouges out her eyeballs rips them out of her face and then he begins to rip the flesh from her face with his bare hands ripping her skin slinging it all around the room and like poor christine dies obviously literally choking to death on her own blood faceless vein and and so it, it, whenever, okay, so basically he removes so much skin from her with his bare hands that you could see straight to her skull. And then he goes to the dog. The dog didn't, I thought the dog went to the grandparents' house, but it didn't. It stayed. So he goes to the dog and, re, trigger warning, animal abuse. <laughs> he rips each limb off the dog one by one with his own hands and gouges his eyes out so sad this little poodle and then he decides he wants to go out for a midnight stroll not the dog <laughs> michael so michael naked still roaming the town that was my that was my next question covered in blood oh he's roaming the town God. naked covered in blood so people in the town are calling 911 like this is the 70s okay remember that yeah he's the, <laughs> the time of free love and everything but that kind of shit that was great. not the kind of acid trip we were hoping no. for so everyone's calling 911 like there's this naked dude outside he's covered in red paint like y'all better come check on him yeah he just you know whatever so the cops find him finally and he's laying in the fetal position screaming this is the blood of satan this is the blood of satan and the cops are like, well, that ain't red paint. You know, that's, that's blood. <laughs> 1,000% it is not red paint. So they take him in. They're like, something has happened here. Let's get you cleaned up and put you some clothes on. They process him. Then they're like, we should probably go check on his house. They go to his house. They find all the Christine's blood and things. And they realize, oh, my God, the blood on you is the blood from your wife and the dog. And they're like looking for this murder weapon because they're like, how could you have done this? Whatever. Um, Superhuman strength? Supernatural strength. That's right. They never found a murder weapon because the autopsy showed that he did all of the... He was the murder weapon. His hands were the murder weapon. (sighs) And he did it all with his bare hands, which is crazy. So they put him in a mental institution, and he was deemed unfit to stand trial, clearly. 
Uh, he was found guilty, or no, I'm sorry, he was found not guilty by reason of insanity. He spent four years in a mental hospital, but was released. He didn't lead a good life after release. Um, he was extremely suicidal most of the time. Um, he even hurt his back worse than it had already been injured because he had tried to jump off a bridge to kill himself at one point. Oh, trigger warning, suicide. Um, no one from the church that did the exorcism was ever, uh, held responsible for, for the situation that occurred, but they did have stricter rules on exorcism after that. Like maybe finish it. Mm -hmm. Just saying. Like don't leave the last three. You already done 40. All you had was three more. Were three important ones. Right. I mean, arguably like you could have left theft, you know? Exactly. Um, the psychologist that did his evaluation said that he was so physically and mentally abused during the eight hours of the exorcism that he believes he had a psychotic break and that is why he murdered his wife not because he was demon possessed uh, because he had had like lack of sleep and all the stimulation and like literally they were shoving these crosses down his throat and yelling at him and holding him down so you know from the from the psychological perspective the psychologist is like no he was just severely abused he wasn't ever demonically possessed and then when he got home he just had the psychotic break and murdered everybody but from a supernatural standpoint he had the supernatural language he had the supernatural strength so my question is okay so i guess scientifically it's the same thing of if you're putting in jeopardizing situation the way that you overcome it for instance people that can lift cars off of crushed children yeah that thing happening to you where it's just like a surplus yeah that you can do it so i understand arguing it from that point of view Mm -hmm. and everything else scientifically because that's my first go-to but I still think it could have been the other thing. <laughs> so that's what I want to know. Do you know? Do you think? Do you think Michael Taylor and you guys answer us on our Facebook group or Instagram or send us an email or text us whatever? I want to know. Do you think that Michael Taylor was possessed, or do you think that Michael Taylor had a psychotic break because he was being tortured during an exorcism that was unnecessary? Just inducing it. Oh my gosh. And this was, to be fair too, this was a different time, right? So they didn't have the internet. It, you know, because I feel like my first instinct was like, Michael, why the hell did you go along with it if it wasn't real? You know what I mean? If you didn't believe you had a demon, why would you put yourself in that situation? But you have to remember, we're in a small town. We are, he's desperate to be healed of his back. And there's no internet. It's not like he can call somebody up and be like, is this real? Like, Should I go through with it? He's just like, let well, me Google. Yeah. Should I get an exorcist? He's like, well, okay, I guess I will. Oh so, gosh. so like getting back to Hollywood, because I know it was the Conjuring Two movie that um, they went to England. Was this supposed to be the guy that was in the chair that was haunting them? Is that maybe who it was supposed to be in the movie? I don't know if he if it was supposed to be in the movie, but I know that it was just the, part of what part the, of the ending. Okay, it was cool. shown as part of the. Uh, after the movie was over, it was one of the case I haven't watched pictures. it in a while, so I was Me either. I, like, I need to go back and rewatch it, but I, you know, I remembered um, when I was reading this case and they had talked about it. I was like, oh yeah. I own them all, so you need to buy it. Amazon Prime. It's yours. <laughs> I have Amazon Prime. Okay. I wonder if it's, if they have it for free at all or if you have to. Um, anyway. I bought them, like, a, I bought the trilogy together. Yeah. I waited until the last one came out and, because I would just, yeah, I got them all together. Okay, I'm yeah, so excited. It's your turn. It's my turn. I don't know. Ready? I need to like pause. 
You need a breath? <laughs> In between, like, all of that. This is It's so just so much today. to digest. It yeah. is. It is heavy today. <laughs> and I apologize, because, like, I went all out on this, guys. So, it's a lot of information. <clears throat> if I can get my stuff to work here. It's really just the error of the human operating system. Okay, so... Mine is on the possession of Roland Doe, who was the inspiration behind The Exorcist. Okay. And this was like, I don't know if it was like a Discovery special. I found it on YouTube and it was super grainy. So I'm not entirely sure. Like, it was a, I think it was Discovery. But anyway, so um, we have like Roman Catholic priest, Father uh, William Bowdern. He is a kind and charitable priest. He's very tenacious in his studies. That's what people will always say. Like, if he wanted an answer, he went until he got it. Very tenacious. Love that. And um, so his fellow priest, Father Bishop, calls him in regards to a family who has a disturbed child. So they decide to meet the parents to discuss Roland. And I'm putting this in parentheses because this is not his real name. They are absolutely terrified about things that have been going on. So, Roland's mother says that they were always a very happy family. Roland was never in trouble. He was just always a really good kid. And his aunt Tilly brought a spirit board to the house. And they would just, on their it's own... It's always a spirit board. <laughs> it's always a spirit board. And she brought one over to the house. And uh, but even one of my coworkers had a discussion about something like that as well. Um, she just told me not to talk about it. So, I respect that. But um, they would try to summon spirits, and it was just for fun. You know, it's like just something they would play and do with each other. So on January the 15th, there started a dripping sound in the house. Like every single night for like a week, like seven to eight days, they said, they searched everywhere high and low. There were no leaks. There were no drips. But they would still hear it all night long. These Listen, drips. as a homeowner, that's terrifying. I was <laughs> Not necessarily for the demonic sense, <laughs> but like if there's a leak in the wall and there's black mold, I... Yikes. Yeah. Uh, my mom and I came... My dad was out of town and we came home one night because uh, we literally ate supper at the house. Went and watched Hunger Games. Came back. We opened the door and I hear this gushing sound of a waterfall. Oh, boy. These... The pipe of the kitchen sink had broken. It flooded the entire upstairs, soaked down into the downstairs. Of course. It was a horrible, horrible time. Horrible experience. So if we hear water in my household yeah. now, it's like we need to find this fast. Yes. Because yes, that was like we had to rip up all the carpet, get yeah. new everything. It was horrible. No, thank you. And no. No. So yes, they keep hearing all these like leaks and drips, whatever. So Aunt Tilly dies. On January the 26th, all of a sudden. She's not sick. She's not ill. She, she just, just died. She said, I'm done here. Richard is devastated. That was his favorite aunt mm-hmm. in the whole wide world. So, Wait, Roland? Roland. Richard. Richard. Yes. Whoever he was. I'm so sorry. I think <laughs> I meant to... I'm like, who's Richard? Uh, he, well, I, <laughs> the problem is... <laughs> There were a lot of people that kept writing different ones. Yeah. Like, one person said Robbie. One person said Roland. It's like there's Somebody. 15 different, like, names yeah. for this kid to, like, just... just yeah. Yeah. <laughs> to keep things where, you know, they can't find him or whatever. But anyway, <laughs> little, little Richard. Little Richard. <laughs> little devastating. Little dick. Oh, God. Okay. So, okay. So, he's sorry. sad. So sorry. He's very, very sad. And I understand that because I lost an aunt, and I'm still very, very sad, and that was a long time ago. Yeah. Um, so now we're getting thumps and tappings every night. 
they go to an exterminator because they're like, rats are in my house. Yeah, they are. I need you to fix this. Get them out. So, in, in, in like little, my own little words, I went poltergeist. <laughs> <laughs> Question mark? <laughs> Question mark. So, the mother thought, perhaps, okay, it's not rats. Maybe Tilly is trying to speak to them from the beyond. So, anytime Roland, Richard, Dick, Little Robbie... <laughs> <laughs> was around this portrait of Jesus. It would start rattling and banging against the wall like someone was on the other side just slamming the wall and rattling the pictures. It's always the picture of Jesus. Right? It's always Jesus. So, the tapping and the banging started to move from the walls into Roland's actual room, and his bed started to start slamming all about. Okay. So they took him to the doctor. Nothing was found medically wrong. They Med- just mentioned... <laughs> This kid is high strung. That's all it is. Imagine your kid. (laughs) Imagine taking your kid to the doctor and being like, I'm here because his bed is shaking. It's shaking. And also, pictures of Jesus are like slamming themselves into the wall. Someone's knocking on the pictures of Jesus. Like, I don't understand. And so, yeah, he said, he's high strung. They just wrote him off as he's a teen and he's rambunctious, whatever. So then marks start showing up on his body. So, February the 26th, an exact month after Aunt Tilly's death. The family decides, you know what? We're all going to consult the spirit board. We're going to find Aunt Tilly. So, (laughs) the response to them asking the spirit to prove itself lay in Roland's skin once more. There were claw marks cutting into him. Finally, they land on the fear that their son has now become a host for the demonic. So, we've gone where (laughs) science and psychiatry has failed them, so they're moving straight back into religion. And they called their pastor. He was a Lutheran, so there's no way he could have helped them. He said that he was not equipped for it, and this was an inevitable kind of thing. So, he advised that they find a Catholic priest to bring into the house. So, Father Bowden brings Father Bishop with him on his first session with Roland. So they begin a novena, which is a ritual prayer. Like for nine days, they pray this prayer. Mm-hmm. And as he reads, cuts starting appearing on the boy's chest. So they apply holy water all throughout that night. The next day, Bowden declares Roland, he is without a doubt possessed. Or possessed. It's like, I'm not an exorcist, but he's possessed. So Bowden is about to become the exorcist. He's basically like Batman. He's like, yeah. this is not the one that you want, but it's the one you deserve. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, he, he's like, you know, I have to step up. So yeah. he The wants... time has come. Exactly. So, like, this man was a chaplain in the army. This was well beyond his skill sets. Yeah. Well beyond his skill set. So, um, in order to obtain the proper prayers for exorcism, you have to actually appeal to experienced clergy above you. And the Archbishop granted the request on the grounds that every single day's events had to be accounted for and reported back to the church. So they agreed and they started keeping journals. He consulted with the Ritual uh, Romanum, which is a Latin book of over 400 years, in order to learn to perform the needed exorcism. Exorcisms are very rare in modern day, though more often performed outside of the United States. The church acknowledges the fact that most of the cases are psychiatric, not actually possessions. So when performing an exorcism, as with any form of authority, you have to be really commanding. You have to speak to them with resolve. You use your crucifix. You trace the cross with holy water over any of the physical markings that are just popping up all over the house. So the exorcism begins. The blows of the child were beyond a child's strength. At one in the morning, that day on day three, he sat up in his restraints 
demanding that a window be opened. And he looked like he was about to throw up, like he was choking. So they opened the window. He fell back, appearing to look like he was normal again. The family was extremely gracious, you know, grateful that they had their son back, that this was all over. So the exorcist, per the book, however, knows that the devil plays tricks and can easily hide and appear as though everything is all good again and everything's peaceful. So the priest has only been gone for about an hour, and then the symptoms come right back. And he's called right back to the house. Day five. Roland has become more violent than ever. Medically, it is recognized that he could not, that he could actually be having seizures of the temporal lobe. It was definitely a possibility. Some priests believe in the coexistence of medical and spiritual chaos. So a person could maybe very well be suffering a seizure, but at the same time also be possessed. So it's a coexistence sometimes that people believe in. Hmm. After such a long endurance of quite literally hell in their home, the parents cannot keep up with the torment of their son. So he is moved to a special place for exorcisms, a hospital in St. Louis that's actually ran by monks. Also, I've been to this building. I did not go inside it, but I have been. (laughs) Roland is then led to a special ward as the newest psychiatric patient. All doors are locked, mesh on the windows. So this was only for exorcisms? Well, it's, it, they're doing that. I think that it's multiple things. It's a basic okay. hospital, but like oh, it's okay. a spiritual hospital as well. Okay. So they're prepared for things like this. Got it. So, March the 27th, 22nd, 1949. Day 7 of the exorcism. Father er Father Halloran as a witness and reinforcement. And Halloran is in this video because he was like one of the only ones left alive. Oh, or not left alive, but like alive at the time still, of the video. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So he, I'm like, he, what? <laughs> What's happening in this story? Everyone does. Everyone does. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, he's actually in the, the thing. So um, yeah, he calls in Halloran as a witness and a reinforcement. So he is now the last living witness. And I think he has died since then though. His role was to just hold him down and visit between the sessions. So there's this large bottle of holy water on the nightstand next to Roland's bed. And as Father Halloran was speaking to him before that evening's prayers begins, like he was just supposed to kind of interact with them between times, the glass bottle, supposedly, hurled itself through the air and exploded against the wall over Father Halloran's shoulder. Oh. In this session, Roland swears constantly at the priest reading the Latin verses. He is also talking about genitals, masturbation. Back in that age, this kind of talk would shock anyone. Like, it was very prim and proper back then. And this was, like, nasty. Yeah. (laughs) I still would be shocked if a child was talking about it. You know? Oh, God, yes. But, like, I can't imagine the 40s. That was almost 100 years ago. Yeah. I'm just trying to imagine. I can't can't imagine. Because, like, I won't lie. Like, I have to mind my business. And myself a lot, but like literally, I started using the word fuck when I was like six years old, so I can't say anything. I just knew I wasn't supposed to say it in front of people. Right. Well, you weren't doing this. That's true. I wasn't. I wasn't possessed. No. Um, <laughs> it's so funny too. So yeah, like it was seriously shocking for a child to be talking like that. So um, at that point, they're wondering, like, is this kid just so terrifyingly evil, or was this a prank? And yeah. then he just stuck with it, and now it's a really elaborate hoax. Like, he yeah. just decided to keep it going. So, Father Halloran said, I, I think it was real. I think it was genuine. And in the documentary, he says the same thing. He's like, I think what we saw was real. Day, let's see, day eight. 
day 400 of the exorcism <laughs> logs. Um, sounds like Star Trek going into it, which I'm fine with that, totally. Um, on day eight, he fought so hard that three grown-ass men could scarcely hold him down. He was spitting on them, which for me, I draw my line. If, like, if you're spitting at me, I'm punching you in the face. Um, there are certain things that I cannot stand, and that is one of them. Like, I will let you do so much, but that is where I draw the line. You know, you'd be surprised. Well, you may not be surprised. A lot of patients in the hospital spit on their nurses. <sighs> if you're a nurse, you know. The girls who get to get it, nope. the girls who don't, don't. Nope, nope. Um, uh, and men, too. But I, if people spit on me, I'd put a mask on them. I just because they then they couldn't spit on me anymore. Yeah, no, I can't. I can't you can't punch your patients. <laughs> but, I'm sure you can. You know, but I'm not saying I'm just gonna run around and you throw no. hands at people. <laughs> no, I know. But, but like, that you know, is my thing. It, you want to? <laughs> Don't worry. It's like this is gonna teach you to stop spitting on I people. I can't. I think spitting is such a low. It is disgusting, disgusting option for fighting. Like yes. I remember watching The Flavor of Love on VH1. You ever watch that with Flavor Flav? I don't. Okay. I never, never, ever in my life had. Cable. Okay. Wow. Um, <laughs> Which is how so I have sorry. so many uh, streaming services. Now. Yeah. I didn't. I don't have cable now, but I did when I was younger, and yeah. we, I would watch the Flavor Flav, which he had a dating show. In case you weren't sure, um, and there was a fight between one girl and another girl, and the one girl spit on her. Um, and I, I think it was like the blonde girl. I can't remember her name in New York. If you know, you know. Um, I'll show you the video of it well, later. But it was so gross, and it just look. Well, anyway, okay, so like, like I said, like I've worked in the veterinary profession. I. <laughs> There's so many things I could say, but I'm sure that like if my bosses are listening, I'd get in trouble for saying it. But there's there's some gross stuff that I, I they don't bother me. Like I could do no problem and still be eating a sandwich while doing it. Like seriously, but drool is disgusting to me. I don't like with it. animals. Like I, it doesn't matter if you're a person or a pet. <laughs> if you're a pet, I have to deal with it. If you're a person and you're spitting on me, that's a different story entirely. But that's like one of my biggest just gross. I might throw up on you things. When people spit tobacco in there, uh, I can't dip, stand that. Yes. Yeah. I, grew, I, I grew up that way. I know. And yeah. I am just like, That's <laughs> yeah, no. too much for me. Okay. So, yeah, I draw my line at spitting. Spitting is enough. Okay, <laughs> on. If you want to break my face, that's fine. Do not spit on Do me. Do not spit on me. One of the priests actually did have his nose broken. Oh. Um. So, <laughs> suddenly, like, after he broke the priest's nose, and I think it was Halloran, I didn't put, but I think it was him, Roland suddenly was, like, back and conscious, and he was like, hey, what just happened? <laughs> so sorry about your nose. I'm so sorry about that. What happened? What? What? Huh? So, Roland's condition continued to plummet, as if it couldn't get any worse. Gosh, Roland. He started standing on his bed and literally urinating on or toward the priests about five times that night. Wow. Just trying to pee on everybody. He's got healthy kidneys. Well, yeah, man. It's all that holy water they're pulling down his throat. Right. <laughs> Becoming increasingly more violent when God's like word was mentioned. So March 31st, day 16, the devil begins to communicate via paper. The claim was that I, the devil, I, I am the devil himself. So instead of whatever demon you're talking about, like legion or whatever, yeah. they're the popular ones people always claim to be possessed with. I am the devil himself, and in 10 days I will give a sign. What was the sign? What they was were, the sign? I know, right? It's like, what's in the box? What is the sign? They did not ask 
Why didn't what they the ask? sign was? Because there's a strict rule. If, uh, even oh, in Hollywood, you don't entertain you it. Do not ask the thing questions or entertain it. Yes. You're right. You're right. Exactly. But also, what was it gonna be? Was it gonna be like a little butterfly? <laughs> <laughs> a little butterfly. Uh, oh, <laughs> squirrel! Okay. He said, "I am the I devil, am and in ten devil. days I will give you a sign." Yeah. So they, what was it? Nobody they, knows. They couldn't ask because they didn't want to engage yeah. the devil. So, Bowden yeah. does a little bit of a power play. Okay. And he's like, "Hey, Roland, have you ever been baptized?" <laughs> so he hasn't, and uh, or at least he doesn't remember it. So he asked, and he said, "Yeah, sure, I'll have a baptism. That's fine." Yeah, might as well. You know, you know. Let's just whatever. go on and ramp up the. I need a bath anyway. I just peed all over the bed exactly. five times. Exactly. I was like, I'm so sorry, guys. Day seventeen, Roland is confined to his room. If at all possible, this does get worse. The lethal weapon to the devil, baptism, is decided upon. So Roland renounces and is baptized. He is shrouded by the Holy Spirit. He is safe. He is not. He's not <laughs> safe. He is not. I don't understand. All it- the verbal and physical violence soared. After the baptism, Roland had several better days. He would even get up and help others around the hospital. Okay, Roland. By doing things. Like, hey, man, I'm getting better. The nights, you know, however. I do a lot more after I've had a bath, too, so I get it. I, I don't, I do showers. Something to refresh you with. You yeah, know? something. Oh, that's true, though. Like, I... Yeah. I do feel better after my showers, no matter what it is. So the nights are completely opposite from the days. April 11th, day 27. I'm sorry. I what? know. I'm like, eight hours is so long. You're like, hold my beer. <laughs> Father Bowdern and the others arrive at the hospital at 8 o'clock. They are exhausted. Uh, to say the least. Oh, my gosh. I'm but exhausted. and Just listening to this. <laughs> yeah. uh, But they keep pressing forward. (laughs) Gotta be positive. Keep moving forward. Right. They begin the Our Father prayer. Mm -hmm. And the word exit appears gouged into Richard's chest. And the devil then appears to speak through Roland, saying, Say one more word, but you'll never say it. There's one word, but you're never going to say it. And this really confused the priest. And finally, they came to the conclusion that the word was Lord. They weren't using the word Lord. Huh. So, as they invoke the name of the Lord, Roland begins to writhe increasingly, claiming that he was burning. He then saw a vision of Michael the Archangel and the devil himself. There oh. are split voices coming through Roland's speech. The Archangel commanding the devil to depart the child's body. Roland claims that in the vision, he saw Michael wrestling Satan at the mouth of a fiery cave. The angel fights until he successfully releases the clutches of the devil on Roland, and the devil falls into the flames. Okay. Roland declares he is gone, and then he collapses backward. Oh. Communion is received by Roland from the priest, and quickly after, a blast-like sound is reported to have been heard through the hospital. No shockwave was ever recorded, but the church across the street or campus Heard the blast as well, and the lights went out and came back on. Flickering. I've I've also been to this church. Oh, oh gosh, you go everywhere. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I just at the time I didn't realize what was going to be this important. I was like, oh, that's interesting, and now I'm like, oh wow, I remember this. Yeah. Um. So April nineteenth, day three hundred and two. Twenty eight <laughs> nights of exorcisms later, Roland is finally released to go home. Thank God. 
Was it an elaborate hoax or just a mischievous young boy? Many people believe that it was a hoax, but there are others that believe it was a genuine possession. On April the 29th, Roland seems to be back to normal. His parents are eyeballing him very closely, as they should right now. <laughs> right. I'd be like, you all right, boo? You okay? Blink twice. Yes, exactly. Um, sorry, I'm trying to fix my thing here. No, you're weird. fine. I'm just processing. I know, I know. It's... I said today was going to be heavy. So Father Bowden, Father Bowden returns back to his normal day-to-day. He refuses to talk to people about things that have happened. I would too. Author William Blatty, he is the man that actually wrote the Exorcist book that would soon inspire the 1973 possession horror hit. And he wrote that as well. Reached out to Father Bowden for information and the priest refused to speak to him about the case unless they were actually in person face-to-face. Mm. He would not do it over the phone. Yeah. The only thing that I can tell you is that this case that I was involved in was the real thing. I have no doubt about it then. I have no doubt about it now. And that was actually like Blatty's quote from the father. So Father Halloran, who was in the documentary, also said, I have zero doubts this is, that this was genuine. You know, it was totally real. Others believe that he just wanted attention. He was high anxiety. He inflicted the wounds himself. He could have started this as a prank, and then, like I said, just he had to back it up and <laughs> write it out. Uh, the influences of but the priest. Thir- almost 30 days? That's committed. That's, it is. That's very committed. I wouldn't be able to do that. Yeah. Even if, like, even if there was something, like, all he was getting out of it was attention. Yeah. And, and you're going to sit here in a minute, like, later, like, he did not want the attention. Yeah, so like I don't I don't even know that if you came to me and you're like I'll give you five million dollars for pretend. you to pretend to be whatever for twenty eight days no. and pee all over the room. It's not funny. Pee all over the room and carve words in your chest. I'll give you five million dollars for that. I couldn't. I'd be like, no, we good. I'm I'm fine. That's pass. Okay. So, Hard pass. I don't know that he. I don't believe that. So others believe. Like I said, he's attention seeking everything. Could have started as Frank. Um, the influences of the priests uh, could have possibly just you know fueled the fire. Sort of like we're discussing with your case, like you know the abuse of the situation on a mentally disturbed kid. Mm-hmm. That's what you know they were saying already. So author William, Bla- oops, accidentally. Yeah. I mean, forward. sure, I could see maybe he was. Some of the violent behavior was because of his. Like you said in the other case, like he had a break and yeah. you know it's just like inflicted and you plant there's there are certain mental conditions where you plant that seed and they become that seed. Yeah. They become what you're wanting them to become. Well, it's kind of like the interrogations, like, that go mm-hmm. on a really long time where yeah. the cops are like, tell us, tell us, yeah, tell us. Yeah, like, you're perfectly innocent, but then you start admitting to shit you did not yeah. even know. You've been awake 48 hours and you're cold and you're like, like, I was oh, five states away from yeah, you. <laughs> I did it. It was me. <laughs> it was me. So, yeah, um, author William Blatty admits that he doesn't know if the story was actually real or not. He does post the question, and this is what he said. But what if it could have been? Now that would be interesting, is what he was saying. Mm. So finally, the news leaks out, and it drew attention to priests everywhere. So Father Halloran stated that he received so many phone calls about exorcisms right after this. In 1973, as the film was released in one particular Catholic church, they received 40 calls that night seeking exorcisms. That's so interesting, because my case was in 1974. I know. Okay, carry on. Hey, we do this. God, I love when we do that. I don't know. We don't consult each other. We either. literally surprise each other every yes. time. Uh, we'll be like, oh my gosh, I have a good case. Oh my gosh, I have a good case. And that's it. We don't say even like who it's about. 
Um, so yeah, uh, Roland converted to Catholicism after this. It was yeah. like, you know what? He's like, you know I, be- what? I believe. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and say, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, please. Every day of my life. Yeah. And he actually grew up to become a scientist. Um, but he claims that he has no recollection of the exorcism. Bowdern died in St. Louis, and he didn't really talk about the events at that time in 1949 very much. Halloran became a parish priest, and he retired in 2003. He claims that he's no uh, no expert in the situation of exorcisms, but he stands by the fact that this situation was something that they were confronted with and dealt with, and he witnessed what he thought was a true case. So in 385 years after the ritual Romanum was written, the Vatican issued revisions in order to caution priests to assess the mental or physical illness were not an issue at hand. Well, that's good. Long time. So Vatican's I actually... like, hold on, let's do a check-in before we start this. Exactly. Like, let's yeah. have a session. And that's what it is in Demonic Foes. Yeah. He starts off evaluating them. Okay. I love it. Love that. Yeah, I do. I'm excited to read the book. So, in addition to, in accordance, I read some other articles. So, this is written by The Guardian, December 20th of 2021. The boy's name was actually Ronald Edwin Hunkler. The position began in Mar- Maryland, but they moved the boy to St. Louis. Ronald was 14 when the report started of knocking and scratching. They reverted, or excuse me, the reverend explained the chairs would like move in the house. And he sat in one one time and it like actually threw him out and that there were like heavy gauge marks all over the floor because like they're heavy furniture in the house to just be sliding around on their own. Hmm. And of course he did say that, because like in the the documentary they said it was like a holy picture on the wall but yeah they said it was like actually yes it was a picture of jesus that was like anytime ronald would be nearby he would start flopping around and this is a different story no these are the same stories it's just like people and no this is a different different possession no this is the same one you just talked about Mm -hmm. Yeah, these are, I read several articles about the same story. Mm-hmm. Got yeah. it. I was like, why is this the same story? I just, <laughs> I was just saying more facts like from yeah, yeah. now. Got it. Versus then. I thought you were telling me a new possession case. Oh no. <laughs> and I was like, what, I almost this, did. This happened to someone else. The same thing? No, same guy. Got it. Oh yeah, no, no yeah. So it's the same thing. Ronald, uh, Roland, Robbie. This was guy. 2021, so yeah, it's covering yeah. more than what a back there when it happening and then plus the documentary looked pretty old so yeah, yeah. Uh, i was just like okay this is kind of fresh okay so, got it Perfect. and they did they reported rhythmic beating and scratching sounds they said it sounded like marching kind mm. of and um the religious relics in the house were just thrown around the um they claimed that the possessor wanted to go to st louis the words that were written to his flesh that were just words in the documentary um, it was like where and when. So Lewis was actually carved into his chest for uh, first, and then it said three and a half weeks was carved into his chest. Oh. So um, the writing appeared in deep, deep scratches, and the boy's hands were nowhere near the effective part of his body because they were restrained. Okay. okay. So. So right before Ronald's death in 1985, or no, death at 85. I'm so sorry. A priest showed up allegedly just unexpectedly to his house to read him his last rites. Oh, that was nice. Yeah, but like, how did he know? Oh, how did he know? Exactly. That's what I'm like. How did this guy just show up? Like, I'm going to go on and read you your last rites. I came. Oh, my gosh. About to Talk about divine timing. Right? And I mean, he, he, I think he needs that. Yeah. <laughs> this, this child, or excuse me, this man <laughs> needs that for sure. And instead of just like scientists, Ronald actually was a NASA engineer. 
And wow. he contributed to the Apollo space missions in the 60s. And he was the one that patented the tech for the heat panels. Cool. Yeah, with the, yeah it's so cool. Which, you know, science, I'm all about it in space. Um, but one of his companions, it said, stated that he was in a constant state of anxiety. That man never knew any peace at all. Like, he was always wait, waiting for someone to show up to ask him. You know what I mean? Just, like, he was yeah. always freaked out. Um, because he was the one that inspired the exorcist. And she said that whenever his coworkers found out that he was the guy, like, that spazzed him out all the time, they would leave on Halloween night and go somewhere else because they were scared someone's going to come yeah. mess with him. That's awful. I can't imagine that. Like, just, like, having this super traumatic experience happen and then it literally haunts your whole you life. for the rest of your life. Just in general, it haunts yeah. you. But then now it's publicly haunting you because you've become a Hollywood, like, infamous movie. Yeah. yeah. So, an article from NPR, which I, I tend to trust NPR, um, in 2013, one person said that the kitchen table flipped over when they were doing the exorcisms. There were hangers flying out of the uh, closet. Um, after strapping the kid down, and this is an actual quote, after strapping the kid down and commencing the prayer exorcism, the boy got a hold of a spring from the bed, broke it off, and slashed the priest's arm from shoulder to wrist, requiring a hundred stitches. Oh my god. Later, the exorcism would take place on the campus of St. Louis University at the Alexian Brothers Hospital in a wing that was demolished in 1978. I was told that yes, that part of the hospital, there has been no access to it ever since. They shut it off. They said, we're done here. So yeah, I will post, I have pictures ready to go on Instagram already of the hospital and of the church. Okay. <laughs> I have a whole bunch of the ones at the church, but I just chose a couple of them. So, and another article I gleaned a little tidbit about Halloran because he opened up to an author about things that actually went on mm-hmm. and the things that he had witnessed and he had kept, because he, he was the one keeping a journal. So he actually interviewed with a guy, uh, Thomas B. Allen, and the book that Thomas ended up writing was called Possessed, The True Story of an Exorcism. I'm going to oh get that like, after payday. Um, so, yeah, it actually includes his notes. Oh, wow. I know. I have to read this. Okay. I have to read this. So, I'm going to get a little by that for myself. Uh, they interviewed William Blatty in 2011 um, for the 40th anniversary of the book. And an anchor asked what scared him, and Blatty just laughed in response to it. And he's like, well, my electric bill scares me. <laughs> he's like, but um, I, I guess I should also say that I actually do sleep with a nightlight on. Mm. Same. <laughs> oh, oh, no, I live in a dungeon, so yes, I need light. Same. <laughs> so <laughs> they discussed writing, inspiration, they were trashing modern horror, but he read an excerpt from the book, which is released with new characters. And I'm actually going to play an excerpt from this interview. Oh, right now? Yes. Oh, I can't wait. I wasn't prepared, and I've lost my phone. Okay, well, okay. Um, Just past the middle. Yeah. Yes, it is. Let's see. uh, Oh, Father Karras has finally been persuaded to come by the mother to come visit her daughter. Who is possessed and possessed. Harris fought to sound calm, even warm and friendly. Hello, Reagan, he said. He picked up the chair and took it over by the bed. I'm a friend of your mother's, he said, and she tells me you're, you're very, very sick. Harris sat down. Um, you think you'd like to tell me what's wrong? I'd, I'd really like to help you. 
Reagan's eyes gleamed fiercely, unblinking, as a yellowish saliva dribbled down from a corner of her mouth to her chin, to her lips stretched taut into a feral grin of bow-mouthed mockery. Well, 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 she gloated sardonically. And hairs prickled up on the back of Karis's neck at the voice, thick with menace and power. So it's you. <laughs> They sent you. Well, we're nothing to fear from you at all. Well, yes, that's right, Karis answered. I'm, I'm your friend, Reagan. Uh, as I said, I, I'd like to help you. You might loosen these straps then, Reagan croaked. She had tugged up her wrists so that now Karis noticed they were bound with a double set of leather restraining straps. Mm. Are the straps uncomfortable for you? Extremely. They're a nuisance, an infernal nuisance. The eyes glinted slyly with secret amusement. Karis saw the scratch marks on Reagan's face the cuts on her lips where apparently she'd bitten them. I'm, I'm afraid you might hurt yourself, Reagan, he told her. I'm not Reagan, she rumbled, still with that taut and hideous grin that Karis now guessed was a permanent expression. How incongruous the braces on her teeth looked, he thought. Oh, I see, he said, nodding. Well, well maybe we should introduce ourselves, okay? I'm Damien Karras. Who are you? I'm the devil. Oh, good, said Karras. Now we can talk. <laughs> imagine, imagine that and just being like, oh, okay, cool. Cool, cool. Cool, yeah, cool, cool. Fine. Let's cool, talk. Cool. Love that. He's <laughs> such a good reader, by the oh way. Oh, my God, yeah. I could listen to him all day. So, yeah, that's William Blatty. He is the one that actually wrote the Exorcist book, and he wrote the movie as well. Um, and, and for me, like right now, it's like to quote the great Michael Scott of The Office, I'm not superstitious, but maybe I'm a little stitious. Yeah, I'm a little <laughs> stitious today. So, you know I'm the queen of fun facts. I love a fun fact. I know. So, I'm going to talk about the Exorcist movie. Okay. So, um, back then, one, a few of the things that there's two parts of the movie where the mother is thrown off to like one side. And then of course the part where Reagan is like being flung backwards and forwards yeah, yeah. in the bed. Mm -hmm. Both of those characters broke their backs in those scenes. So oh. all that screaming you're hearing is really them screaming and hearing in pain. Because the director was determined to make things look very um, natural, very real. So he gave the go-ahead for them to like just kind of smack them around and everything like that. They both suffered back injuries. Oh my god! Because of that. So yeah, when you're hearing that screaming and shrieking and pain, that is literally them. And they kept the footage. Like, they kept that footage yeah. because it was so real. And so yeah, not cool, guys. Not cool. Not cool. No Breaking thanks. people, they better pay for their medical bills. But there wasn't like CGI then, by oh, the way. No. I'm sure you know that, but that just is... just for the purposes of stating it, they couldn't just like make it happen. Oh, yeah. So anything in movies then was like actually done. They had to do it. Oh yeah. And actually, Reagan, like whenever she was possessed, was a different girl because they felt like it was what well, not girl, uh, another woman because obviously they felt like they'd be too traumatizing for, for a, a girl child, to yeah. be doing that. And I'm like, yeah, just a little bit. Um, the set actually burned down at one point, except for the demonic scenes in Reagan's room. That set, part of the set, was untouched. Oh, great. Yeah. Cool. So, <laughs> just her bedroom. Super comforting. Yeah, so, um, after that, and they rebuilt the set, they had a priest come and bless the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, so on top of that, there was a man, there's uh, the guy that played one of her nurses in the film. He actually killed a reporter at the making of the film before the exorcist was released. And he was really what? quick to confess his crimes that he killed this person, but he couldn't tell anyone why he did it. He didn't know. Whoa. He didn't know why he did it. Um, of course, I know a lot of people have heard this, that audiences were fainting and they were throwing up yes. when they were watching this movie. Yeah. It was what? like terrifying. Yes, it's still, it still scary is. today. It is. But it's like terrifying. for them then it was even more. One woman passed out and broke her jaw. Another woman had a miscarriage, Aww. and she blamed it on how scary, yeah. you know, scary the film was. Um, and then there were people uh, that they thought that it could corrupt your soul just by watching it. Which, yes, if you have really, really strong like religious ties, things like that, it's like if you're exposing yourself to it, then you're yeah. bringing it in, basically. Yeah. Um, but actually, like a good chunk of the UK banned the film. Oh, <laughs> they're like, you know what? No. And there were so many coincidental deaths during the feeling. Like, there are people that were in the film that died, people that had their family members that were dying. It was just, like, a lot of stuff happening of all stuff. at once. Um, and then there uh, was one screening in Rome, and I had heard about this, and I just wanted to look it up and double check, but a bolt of lightning struck the church, like, opposite the cinema on oh. the opening night. <gasps> That's creepy. Yeah. So, meanwhile, in the UK, places that hadn't banned the film, they actually had ambulance staff, like, ready to help distress people outside oh of the movie God. theater. Imagine. So, and again, imagine. the UK wins again, because people don't care about us over here. Well, Unless yeah. you care enough, like, to take care of your people. They figured they're going to get a call anyway. Might as well go over It's there. like, yeah, I'm already here. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to do this. Um, I'm not going like, to talk about the timeline, but I did get a hold of the timeline from, like, an article by SLU or St. Louis University. I did do like a little screen grab where it just scrolls all the way through. So mm-hmm. if people want to kind of look at the timelines for everything, but oh, cool. it was just like, it took me a while this week to get all this stuff together because I was just trying to pull from so many resources. And I, I honestly went with Julia's case before I realized this one. And yeah, I've been excited all week, but at the same time, just like, it's jazzed. so overwhelming. Oh boy. It's just so overwhelming. I mean, I don't know what I feel. Like, even after talking about all of this, I don't even really know where I stand. You know? Yeah. Like, is it real? I don't know. I, like, part of me asks, part of me asks myself that at times. But I will say after the things that I have witnessed myself and felt, and someone that I know very, very, very dearly has told me some stories about them that they have witnessed and I trust this person with my life literally and I believe every single thing that they told me in which case would prove that evil itself without a doubt is out there and um the way that things happened and, and it's in a way that most people wouldn't suggest but I guess I could go on and say that like they were out and about with their father farming and all of a sudden, they heard this noise, like a baby screaming or something. It's just a noise. Mm-hmm. And so the dad's like, don't go towards that. Ignore it. Keep doing what you're doing. Yeah. Naturally, the person goes. Yeah. Walks to the area of the woods where they hear it. And when they get to the woods, everything is silent. There's no trees rustling. There are no birds. There are no crickets. Nothing. It is a terrifying silence. Mm. They hear the noise across the other side. Walked over there. Silence. Heard the noise somewhere else. Walked over there. 
silence. After a while, it was like, okay, I'm seriously dealing with something that's not normal. Yeah. Not good. And that person told me that there's nothing that really scares this person. Yeah. And that scared him deeply. Yeah. Because of the way that that happened. Yeah. So when I hear that story, like, I know that there's something out there. Yeah. That is not okay. (laughs) And I have a healthy respect for that. Right. So I don't want to, like, challenge that. Yeah. But that's just me. No challenge. Don't come for us. Don't come for us, demons. Please don't. (laughs) We respect. We respect. Healthy respect. Yeah. I guess I just feel like I'm sure there is something like that out there. I just wonder if it's a, if it's capable of entering humans. Yeah. You know, that's where I'm hung up. Like, do I think it exists? I think evil exists. Sure. There's and we're not some... just talking about your basic homicidal, horrible human being evil. This is another level. Yeah. Or at least on my end, it's like, there's yeah. a whole other level. Yeah. It's just kind of like, is that... Like, what if... I don't know. I guess in my mind, I'm like, okay, so... All these really awful people who do these really awful things, mm-hmm. are they possessed, by, possessed by a demon just permanently? Or even enough to commit the crime. Yeah. I don't know. Oh my god. Yeah. That's it's, a whole it's other a, It is. Like, there's just so much, so much depth yeah. to this yeah. that it's insane. I want to know what everyone else thinks. Hell yeah, we do. Was Michael Taylor possessed? Or was he not? Exactly. And then I think that little boy, something else had to have been going on there. Because there's no way a kid is going to commit to that level. I, I That's what I'm saying. It's just not possible. But, and they've like even reported it because everyone says that if you... There's certain types of health conditions that cause a certain amount of inflammation. So if you even so much as try to dig a little bit across your skin with your nails it's gonna look like it's really inflamed like it's really gouged like it's bruised and everything and I can see your point there but this kid didn't touch himself and I didn't mean that and like the way it just came out um this child was held down and restrained and 14 witnesses said that these things appeared on his body like so if you're gonna go on and say that he did it to himself like there's people saying that it was not self-inflicted it couldn't have been right so there's like little stuff like that that I'm like, well, I understand you going with the medical opinion and I appreciate it, but how do you deal with the fact that he could not have done it to himself? Yeah. Like you can't. And a 14 year old little boy literally throwing three grown men around a room. Right. And ripping out bed springs and slicing them open. Like, I don't think that's just your basic. For- <laughs> What was I doing when I was 14? Not that. Not that. Absolutely. Not that. You know what I was doing when I was 14? I was sitting in a classroom while my principal lectured me. On, <laughs> on how you shouldn't be exactly. messing with demons. As I'm hiding out. my book, of, you know, as I'm like reading Carrie and hiding it underneath my like, desk. What? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, what an episode. I'm excited. It is heavy though. Like, my chest is heavy now. Yeah, I just... We'll have to like do some breathing. I'm going to have to take a nap. That's I'm going to need to breathe before I can take a nap. Okay. I'll be dreaming about this stuff. Simultaneous breathing and napping. <sighs> I have yeah. an app for that. It's called Oak, and it's wonderful. If any of you like to meditate and you need some guided stuff, that place oh, amazing. Love that. Oh, yeah. Okay. So wow. next week, are we doing Ed and Lorraine? Or? I don't know. Should we? I think we should. I don't mean, you just, want to carry like, it I want to. I totally want to do like another cannibals, another female, another whatever. Yeah. I want to just like carry this over to Ed okay. and Lorraine. Next week, we'll do Ed and Lorraine, <laughs> which if you don't know anything about them, oh my God, get excited. <sighs> I love them. 
And I've read that they actually were that way in real life. Like, oh, yeah? Like, just the cutest couple ever. They, I, weren't they on Ghost Adventures a bunch? I've never watched, I think I've seen, like, a couple of episodes of Ghost Adventures. Um. But I wouldn't doubt it. Like, they've been everywhere. They I are very well known. I Ghost Adventures. I used to watch that, like, religiously. Shout out Ghost Adventures. <laughs> um, okay. All right. Next week, we'll talk about Ed and Lorraine. I'm for it. And for now, best of luck sleeping tonight. Right. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know if there's like an evening mass if any of you guys are Catholic. I don't know. You know, maybe you want to go tonight. Unless you're yeah. there right now, in which case, if I'm you're, glad that you have got your... If you're listening to our podcast in the middle of your Catholic mass... <laughs> then that might be a problem. <laughs> we need to talk. <laughs> of course, that would probably be me. I'm like over here in the corner like, oh yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm okay, listening. I'm listening. But yeah. Oh. Oh my goodness. What do you think, Ricky? He's stretching. He said, y'all, this has been a long podcast. Yes. Yes. I've like slowly melted into the bed. She really has, but like so have I. At one point I like moved all my things and just laid down and I started cuddling a whale. So like literally a stuffed whale, by the way. I'm not talking about you, Ricky. Not Ricky. All right, friends. Well, we'll see you next week. Heck yeah, we will. Okay. Have a wonderful rest of your week. And we'll see you later. Bye. Bye.